I see you've come here for an education. <laughs> oh, that's very encouraging. Most children aren't interested in science. Well, this is my museum. I want to show you my wonderful spider collection. I don't like spiders, I don't like witches, and I don't like you at all. Little boy, remember our bargain. Oh, yeah. Spiders are such endearing little creatures, <laughs> very much like you. But before I show you my most renowned prizes, do tell me, are you pleased with your excursion so far? I'm, I mean, you're not afraid, are you? Well, why? <laughs> why? There's been nothing frightening yet. It's all been so tame so far. You don't want to wake up, do you? Well, I wouldn't mind... Well, you can't wake up. Well, now we'll take you on the tour. <laughs> Welcome to the Museum of Natural Hearts. Now, moving right along here. Now, oh, please, young man, don't touch the displays. Oh, that's very cute. <laughs> and now, here we have Arachnida, the spiders, our finest collection. This friendly little devil is the Heptatheridae, unfortunately harmless. Now, over here, over here, the nasty Lycosaraptoria. <laughs> His tiny fangs cause creeping ulcerations of the skin. <laughs> yes, and here... Here is my prize. My prize, the Black Widow. <laughs> Isn't she lovely and so deadly? Her kiss is 15 times as poisonous as that of the rattlesnake. You see, her venom is highly neurotoxic, which is to say that it attacks the central nervous system, causing intense pain, profuse sweating, difficulty in breathing, loss of consciousness, violent convulsions, and finally, death. <laughs> you know... I think what I love most about her is her innate, her inborn need to dominate, to possess. In fact, immediately after the consummation of her marriage to the smaller and weaker male of the species, she kills and eats him. Oh, she is delicious. <laughs> and I hope he was. Oh, such power and dignity unhampered by sentiment. If I may put forward a slice of personal philosophy, I feel that man has ruled this world as a stumbling, demented child king long enough. And as his empire crumbles, my precious black widow shall rise as his most fitting successor. His words he speaks are true. Where are the luminary stew? If we, we don't, don't pledge, pledge allegiance to the Black Widow. Welcome back, Gluing Globlins. That's right. One last Wednesday. Yeah. That this is your Halloween yeah. spectacular, all Vincent Price, all the fucking time. Yeah, some of you are going to be happy because you're not listening, but. You're the ones missing out. Yeah, they're going to see Vincent Price go, oh, God, another week off. When will they get back to action? Maybe never. Maybe. maybe. 
we talked about it. Maybe we should just do R. Kelly's Trapped in the Closet for now on. I think, yeah, that would be a great show. We're the R. Kelly cast now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Griff, we got a special guest. Are we are we recording? Yeah. Okay. You take your you take your headphones off, so I didn't know if we were just doing a uh, an audio test. But uh, without further ado, we got a guest here. He uh, you know him, you love him. He's he's the uh, uh, the bard of uh, Indianapolis on white, and I'm not talking White River, Griff. I'm talking about white bread slathered with mayo because he's straight from Indiana, the whitest state in the union. But he is from Michigan, which makes him better. Makes him one of us. One of us. It's Mr. Matt Sosi. How you doing, Matt? Ladies and gentlemen, and those that are neither ladies nor gentlemen, here is a tag team that can take on any team, anytime, anywhere, any kind of match, even if it's lazy booking, even if it's a handicap match versus Robert Ginty and his jowls, it's GGT. Wow, dual openers, battling openers, a little bit and and uh, I never think of myself yeah. as white bread. I like to think of myself as multigrain. Multigrain, you that's are. more nutritious. Bumpernickel, bumpernickel on good days. I think I, I think it's because you're you know an actual man of the theater, so you get you're a little bit classier. Well, that's why we brought him on because yeah. we uh, we have no class. We don't. So <laughs> we're going to be talking about Shakespeare today, and uh, we don't know anything about it. We don't know how to – Griff doesn't even know how to read. But uh, <laughs> we're, our, our, our uh, movies, it's, it's a Shakespearean theme. Right. So we, we said, who do we know that knows Shakespeare, like the back of his hand? Right. The bard himself, Matt Sosa. He's, oh, yeah. he's got a degree in uh, Shakespeareology. I think that's a uh, – and so we had to invite him on to uh, Shakespeare whisper for the audience. Yeah. Now, is Shakespeare like a teenage? Like, when do you get into Shakespeare, Matt? I let's see. I think the, I was in high school when they took us on a bus down to it was one of the theaters, one of the professional theaters in Detroit to see a production of Romeo and Juliet. And uh, you know, I, I I sort of remember that it um. You know, more than anything else, I remember guys with swords on stage fighting. Which, you know, when you're a teenage guy, like that's that's kind of badass. I, I yeah. you know, were they wearing tights though. Were they wearing tights? Yeah, but they got a sword in their hand, so you know. Yeah, you don't know what to careful. think. You're confused. Right. So, but um, and it was always on PBS, and 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 there have been many. Like I'm sure with you guys, there were many English teachers that ruined Shakespeare. They, in my case, they would bring out the nine vinyl collection of Sir John Gielgud doing Hamlet, and the teacher would drop the needle and just and then pick it up after the first scene and ask us what what happened in the scene. And because I was interested in theater, I said, "Can't you just play a whole side of the record and let it wash over us?" So it's it's one of those things that um, too many too many schools have kind of shoved it down your throat. I think you should be able to discover it on your own. And I happened to be in college when the great cinema Shakespeare boom of the 90s started. Mel Gibson did Hamlet, Kenneth Branagh did Henry V, and later Much Ado About Nothing. And there were, and for a while, Shakespeare was the hot author du jour when it came to films uh, throughout the 1990s. 
So I, I, I like that you brought up the whole high school thing and teachers just trying to shove down your throat. Because I remember it just being shoved. This was the first time watching Theater of Blood where I was like, I'm actually interested in Shakespeare right now. Wow. Yep. This might this might shock it, both of you guys, but I took Shakespeare class in high school. Yeah. So I was familiar with I was familiar with most of the plays in this movie. So Excellent. So Do you have a favorite? Cool. Movie? A favorite I I will say this. I Shakespeare's tragedies are actually really good. Yeah. I hate the comedies. Oh. I've never laughed one. Did anyone Come on, let's be honest, Matt. Is this, is this Shakespeare comedies funny? Are they really? Are we just? Are we laughing because we feel like we have to laugh? Um, I think people were laughing when I was on stage doing Twelfth Night, As You Like It, and Much Ado About Nothing. So I'm going to say, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I the, I just find like, it. Why... It seems like every it, it's comedy is guys dressing as women and women <laughs> dressing as guys, and that's supposed to be. And hilarity ensues. Like I'm supposed to just laugh at that. I just don't. I there, just don't. There, there is, there is that. But um, with with much ado about nothing, which was my first Shakespeare show, um, I I always tell students it's the Benedict and Beatrice are the ultimate schoolyard thing. Where if you want to irritate one of them, you say you know he likes you, and she'll go no, and gets really defensive. I mean, it gets into basically school schoolyard level. Um, humor and and part of the reason why we still do these is because the behavior and the characteristics are still relevant today um it, it you know when they when we use the term comedy it's not it not necessarily always in the yuck yuck knee slapping sense of the word but they're not tragedies so there's a little of that to consider i like that option you either get a shakespeare tragedy or everything else is just comedy well what he's saying is it's low it's and lowbrow there's, there's comedy. Also yeah, there's also the history plays, um, plays like Henry oh, V, yeah. anything with a name and a number in it. Um, Henry VI, Richard III. The, Caesar's kind of an offshoot of that. That's Actually, the title is The Tragedy of Julius Caesar, which oh, okay. we'll get to in a little bit with this film. But, uh, you know, I, I have a dream of directing Julius Caesar, but setting it in Rome High School, because they can be just as backstabbing as Roman politics. <laughs> Goddamn kids. You would have to do too much research on some kind of social media, and I think that's not worth it. I feel like there's a fourth level to existing today, and it's social media. No one wants that. Now, the question is, since you've performed Shakespeare, is it easy to do? Because it feels like it's daunting, because it's, you know, you're speaking English, yet you're not speaking English. Yes, know? exactly. It's it's the it's the the way you say certain things because a lot of it is in I'm a pentameter, and uh, some are very classically trained at being able to do it as is and make it not make it sound like you're rhyming. Oh, uh, yeah. My wife has an MFA. She's she's if if people think I'm good, she's amazing. Um, but there's. So there is that aspect, and then we we some when you're learning the line, sometimes you replace it with a word that you would use more every day. Um, you know, and here I leave is you know their version of "I'm out of here." So, and when you're sitting in the audience, I always tell you, especially those who've never seen Shakespeare before, it's like a foreign film. You might be lost in the weeds the first five or ten minutes, 
but just watch the characters, watch the action. You're, it's a play, it's not an exam. We're not asking the audience to translate word for word yeah. what is going on. Just watch the characters. I, I didn't get that. Until I started doing this podcast, films made no sense, plays made no sense. So, like, if I handed you, like, a play, you could do it right off the bat? Like, you've, you're so seasoned doing this that oh, you're, you know... No, no, that's, I mean, that's the that's the beauty of theater, is that we rehearse four okay. to six weeks, and, you know, the whole goal is to make it happen on stage as if it's happening for the very first time. And that's hard to do. I think that those who are the non-creatives think, oh, they just you just get up there and do it. I'm like, yeah, there's there's hours and hours and weeks and weeks of practice that goes with that. Um, I I am not at the level of of Vincent Price or Lord Olivier who can just rattle off, you know, uh, pr- you know, monologues after monologues. I, I it it takes some hard work to get this into my skull. It's the same way doing this podcast. People don't realize the blood, yeah. sweat, and tears yeah. that go into it. Me and Murray have our and Chicago Transit Friday. Authority, and <laughs> we have Black all the other horn bass rock bands. Yeah, where we just stare into the mirror and repeat all the great jokes everyone's gonna hear. <laughs> yeah, the next one. And we make it sound effortless, <laughs> like we're we're ad libbing. Yeah, it sounds like we're riffing. We're Everything on our show is scripted. People it's don't know that. Yeah. We actually, it's even like the a Oz. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We have teleprompters over each other's faces, and they just scroll by. So we haven't seen each other. For those who don't know, GGT is also in iambic pentameter. You just have to read the transcripts. (laughs) It is, yes. I'm glad you brought up Chicago because I didn't want to call you out, Matt, but I'm calling you out. Oh, you're calling him out. You know, normally we're doing we're we're recording on a special day right now, a Monday. Normally we do Saturday. Millie is so confused right now. She's like, Tim, what are you doing? Sorry, Millie. Sorry, Millie. Well, we made an exception because, like we said, we're numbskulls. We don't understand Shakespeare. We, but get this: this is what a this is what a great guest, a loyal guest, uh, Matt is. Like, I got my anniversary happening this weekend. Sorry, guys, I can't make it. Who do you? What do you care more about? Well, here's the thing: I was letting you know I wasn't going to change my schedule. I was still going to go to Chicago with my wife, but. Um, the fact that you guys, you graceful, gentle hosts, were able to reschedule and you know bring a little bit of soothingness to to Millie to you know let, not let her be confused. But no, I appreciate you guys rescheduling. This uh, yeah, yesterday was my twenty uh, fourth wedding anniversary, and my kid. So uh, two weeks ago, I just got done doing a production of As You Like It, and last Saturday we got to see our kid in their own production of As You Like It in college. So I, uh, good times were had by all. Well, congrats on 24 years and uh, Thank making you. it to the show on Monday. I mean, yeah. that's more of an applause for us than making it on Monday. No, yeah. I know. For Murray. Yeah. Drive all the way out. Throwing virtual roses at you guys. Thank you. We do deserve our flowers. Yes, we, we do. do. <laughs> now... Uh, we're, this month has been all about grievances. We didn't plan it that way. Well, actually, we did. Like we said, we script everything. We script everything. I'm yes. reading it. I'm reading yes. this as I'm speaking. Yeah. But, Absolutely. Uh, I have. I got one more grievance for the month. Okay, and I'm glad we have a, a person who's been on both sides of the stage, on the stage, and watching a stage. Because you might have some input, and feel yeah. free to this input as we talk about this. But sure, sure. My, my grievance. Because I had two experiences of this last weekend, last Saturday and Sunday. Not this, not this past Saturday and Sunday, but the ones before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
one with you. Yes. And then one I had with, with my sister. Uh, we on Saturday we went to see we went to the lovely Redford Theater, Beautiful. where we saw a showing of on film. It wasn't just a project G DVG DVD projector. <laughs> Thirty five millimeter. Thirty five millimeter of the thing, the classic John Carpenter sci fi thriller. Yeah. My favorite th- horror movie of all time. Great, great mm-hmm. ticket sale there too. It's a packed theater. Now here's theater. here's my grievance. Okay, we've all, everyone in this theater, except maybe five people, have seen the thing a million times. Yeah. That's why we're here. Yeah. Yep. But there's got to be that one guy or that couple guys. They got to let everybody know. No. There were some obnoxious women as well. Thank you. I'm the biggest thing fan in the world, and I'm going to let everybody know it by cheering. And, and, and I can say right now, Aubrey's. Tim, you're just a fucking old, no fun, curmudgeon <laughs> motherfucker. And two, both of those things can be true. Yeah, all they're, right? they're both kind of true. Because there was so much just like, and, and like, and like, this ain't Rocky Horror, all right? This is the thing, all right? Yeah. Show some respect. There is, there is films to go and the audi- uh, audience participation is part of this show. Right. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. And if, and if you're going to say something, be original. I don't want to hear. Or yeah, no, I don't want to hear that shit. All right, there's a lot of that going on. Have you ever experienced that? Oh sure, it's first off, it's the thing. It's not a sports bar. You don't need to do that. A couple of about a month ago, I got to see uh, demons with with a goblin performing live, and there there were about two or three guys near the back that finally about two thirds of the way through the film they shut up. so maybe these maybe these jerk offs tour. That's their thing is just to be a turd in the cinematic punch bowl for everybody else. Um, there are there. Have you experienced that. that on stage? When you were on stage, have you ever experienced I, that? Okay, not. Um, I was in a production of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest back. Oh God, twenty years ago, and it's near. I'm, I'm playing one of the patients and. Danny DeVito. No, when when uh, when McMurphy and Ratchet are finally locking horns, and uh, and Nurse Ratchet says to McMurphy, "Do you think you're God, Mister McMurphy?" And a woman in the front yell, row yelled really loud, "No, you think you're God!" And as an actor, you're trying not to react to that, but you're also right, looking you're at your fellow actors like, "Are we gonna have to shoulder block somebody <laughs> getting up on stage?" And, you know how do we how do we handle this? My favorite was um, I was directing the Three Musketeers on the same stage that I just got done doing As You Like It, a place called Mud Creek Players, and it, the place was famous for having a really really old clientele and people that would leave their purses and shit on the edge of the stage. Mm. And I went out to do the curtain speech. And there was a woman that had her purse on the stage, and I, I went up and, and said good evening to the audience, and straight out of Blazing Saddles, I looked down at this woman and said, excuse me, are you in this show? And she said, no, and I said, then get your crap off my stage. <laughs> I would have just kicked it, it just booted it right it out. Felt, oh, I know, I should have done that too, but it felt so... Uh, now I know how Bernard Getz felt. He must have been riding the subways... He's the vigilante from the late 70s, early 80s, friends. But, you know, the guy who, like Charles Bronson and Death Wish, probably rode the subways for days just waiting for somebody to to start something. 
Right. So yeah, um, audiences. Some audiences need training, and it's gotten worse now. I um, mean, oh, because yeah. of COVID, oh. and even before COVID, it's a theater. It's not your living room. You know, try right. to be a human being. Yeah. Matt, did you say it gets worse? Oh, yes, it does get worse. My story continues. Hey, Please. So yes, we dealt with that. I and I was like, I even went over to Griff. I'm like, you just wait. You just wait. When we get to the scene where the head grows the, you know, the legs and starts crawling away, and yeah. he goes, you got to be fucking kidding me. I was waiting for some fucker. I was shocked. He didn't. He didn't even, he didn't even know how to pop at the right time. But no. So the next day, I and my sister go to the lovely Masonic Temple in downtown Detroit, Michigan. Mm-hmm. An evening with Nick Cave. Okay? Oh, man. It's, Cool. And it's just it's just Nick Cave and a piano. Yeah, Murray was a tuxedo. Uh, he looks great, everybody. What was I wearing? Tuxedo. Yes, of course I was wearing tuxedos. And of course. <laughs> Bagley dressed you, so of course you sent me all the pics. Yes, of course. Well, yeah, I was hanging out with Nick afterwards, but uh, so it's like a, it's like basically Nick Cave unplugged. It's him, a piano yep. guy. A guy played bass on a couple songs. So it's like it's just a sea of quirky girls that you know are counting the days when, when they turn from a quirky girl into you know a spinster uh, pet pool rescue lady you know that transformation they eventually turn into because all quirky girls become that and they're like wishy-washy boyfriend I'm like who, who's fucking these guys i'm looking at these guys and i'm just like okay so we we sit down Nick Cave comes. Like, Nick Cave was great. Totally charming. He was well-dressed suit. He was awesome. Yeah. But like he's like and that, I'm not even exaggerating. That's what it sounded like. Oh. Non-stop. From guys and girls. One woman kept trying to get him to say happy birthday to his her friend. She's like, Yo, Julia's birthday! And I'm very, I'm very proud. He gave he gave a Tim Murray level iciness to a lot of this because you'd hear that like I love and he would go right, and then go right into a song, (laughs) (laughs) and and so and then and then to make it matters worse, there was this guy behind me. I my sister said he was Australian. He sounded British to me, but sidebar annoying thing. For some reason, and this is all, and I wanted to say, I want to preface this for all our English people listening. You know, I love you guys. I love all you guys in Timberley Stadium that every year, every week, every week, Murray. fill out the stadium. But there's this certain English guy. There's, this is, you might not know this if you're in England, but an English accent is an automatic panty dropper to any boring white chick in America. And America's full of boring white oh, yeah. chicks. We live in the oh world. yeah yeah big part of that. So yep. you could be an absolute fucking loser in England and have the most ignorant fucking chalkney accent, as Griff says. Yeah. And be like, oh no, Dad, how you doing, love? And they'll be like, oh my god, let's fuck like immediately. So these guys, when they come here, they they're losers in England, but in here, there's somebody. Because even even like a guys, we all, all Americans think if you're an English, you have an English accent, you're smarter for some reason. So we're like, well, it it, it, it sounds stupid, but he's saying with an English accent, well, so it's got to be right. So I got this guy, 
Brit-splaining to his dumb American girlfriend through the whole thing. I don't... I, I, first of all, he sound, he's, he's making it sound like he's Nick Cave's best friend. Like, why are you sitting behind me then? If you're like Nick Cave, because he's just like... Nick Cave's like... He, of course, he's like telling banter in between stories and like how what was going on when I was writing this story yeah. or this song. So he's like, mm-hmm. yeah. He's like... I was in Brazil, oh uh, god, like 30, uh, 32 years ago. Like, he like knew, like, Nick Cave's everything Nick Cave did. He's like, this is the guy talking. He's like, 30, uh, 30, he goes to his, his dumb white girlfriend, 32 years ago. I'll remember that. And then it was like, he was repeating the story to her? Yes. I thought you were saying he no. remembered his story and was like, actually. <laughs> You get you, you were doing. Go on, go on. Sorry. Well, I would have done my Aussie accent if I'm doing Nick Cave. I'm doing the. Yeah. So yeah, he was doing that throughout the thing, and then he would be like singing along, and like he was like he was he was the the I'm the Nick Cave expert because I'm English, or maybe he was Australian, which made him even more of an expert. And he was just Nick. He was he was spelunking. He was cave speaking to her the entire thing. Man, would you have rather had uh, maybe a sophisticated woman like a Loan Bear in there or something? Grabbing my dick, yes. <laughs> Your dick. But at least he was—he said it like in a quiet voice. Yeah. But there was a lot of shrieking going on. Shrieking, shrieking of I love you. Man. And then people were coming up like sign shit for me. Somebody had the audacity. I, I, I'm just... I don't know what was going on. It looked like this guy gave Nick. This is at the end of the, the the evening. Gave Nick Cave his phone and a message to give somebody. He handed him a piece oh, of paper God. and a phone. Christ. So it was a free cameo. Free live <laughs> yes. cameo. Yeah. The audacity, Jeez. the balls to do that. He did it though. To his, to his credit, Nick Cave did it. Wow. Well, and part of it is, again, to yeah, to his credit, when we see footage of musicians on stage losing their shit, we don't get to see the buildup on what causes it. I'm sure he was kind of aware of that. If you ever get a chance, I think there's audio of Jeff's, of the jazz piano player Keith Jarrett just going off on audiences. It's not just for Patti Lupone anymore. But uh, yeah, I'm sure he didn't want to be on TMZ and... And be you know angry, angry rock guy uh, yelling at the audience. But man, they sure as hell don't help. Yeah. Well, there was one part where someone said like, "There's more." I love you. And then he's like, "He's like, wow, the acoustics are." We-. I it sounded like somebody said, "Fuck you." And he's like, and then, and as a matter of fact, he's like, "Fuck you." Because <laughs> the audience. Really. And then he's like, and, is this, and he's like, "If I was wrong, well, then I'm sorry. I love you." And then he went into Good. the song. Yeah, he handled he handled that he handled that well. Guy knows his shit. He's been around for fucking ever. What we're basically saying, people, is have manners. You're not the show. The show is on the stage. We're not no. paying to hear you. We're paying to hear the people on the stage. Amen. Even with an old movie, we want to sit there. We want to have real reactions. We don't want to have the guy who, the one guy who cosplayed. I love your enthusiasm. Just stay quiet for the middle movie, though. That's the yeah. point of a movie. I'm here to be out of my house and enjoy a movie with a bunch of other people to pop, pop at the big moments and all that shit. But don't fucking yell shit. Don't make your own jokes during the shit unless it's or be original. Don't t- don't be original. No, ow. Uh-huh.
Yeah, that's that's just bush league stuff. It was, yeah. you know, there was a uh, a theater in a mall theater in Utica that I would go to quite a bit, and this was in the when I was in high school, so in the uh, mid to late eighties. They would show Rocky Horror every weekend, and if I went to a ball game or a concert, and it just fit the timing was right that I was you know going to be passing through Utica about eleven thirty, I'd go. And some nights the crowds were absolutely into it, and then other nights it's just like five people, and it's that one D-bag that just looks at Tim Curry and goes, uh, fag, uh. And, you know, that's that's no fun. That's no fun at all. But that's what you expected. I'm not going to get outraged at a Rocky Horror Show. You're right, you're right. But you, you, know, but you should also then follow up. Follow along and find out what needs to be said as opposed to, uh, queer, uh. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not, yeah, wow. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not justifying what that guy said. I'm just saying I expect right. audience participation in that milieu. That, yeah, exactly. To various levels of, of, uh, of, of excellence. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, hey, everyone, Nick Cave, not going to fuck you. So just be quiet. Enjoy the show. Go online. This is, that's his tour it. name. Yeah. Nick Cave, I'm not gonna fuck you tour. tour. Go online, read the red hand files, learn a little bit about his wisdom, that man. And then then repeat it in a British accent behind me. Oh, and you you mentioned the guys with the British accent. That's why so many English actors got to do sci-fi and fantasy, because they make with the accent they make all that technical gobbledygook sound very authentic. Right. What do you you, I'm I'm sure this is the reason that we we all know that whenever we do an ancient Rome movie, yes. they always <laughs> English accents. Do you believe that's because of Shakespeare? I got. I think it's it is. Yeah, Spartacus. Yeah, you have Peter Ustinov, Lawrence Olivier as the lords, and you know uh, Kirk Douglas and Tony Curtis as the slaves. Because I think Roman slaves sound like they're from Flatbush, you know. <laughs> so absolutely. Yeah. Well, and Julius Caesar. That's just. It's just English actors. So, you know, Shakespeare never went to Rome. Shakespeare never went to Denmark. He he just wrote what he did and set them elsewhere. Well, I know we've got about four and a half hours worth of content on the other side of a trailer, Murray. Yeah, because this is an amazing movie. This is my favorite Vincent Price movie, by I, the way. I haven't seen any kind of work of Shakespeare since I saw that Leonardo DiCaprio, Romeo, plus Juliet. Like the rock and roll Romeo and Juliet? Yeah. yeah. That was something that my teacher showed me in high school, and it pushed me further. That's all you saying? Further and further. No, I've seen way too much. Like, what do they call them? Uh, renditions of a various, you know, Shakespeare play, usually Romeo and Juliet, maybe a Hamlet or something here and there. That's all I've seen. It just kept pushing me further. Just it took Vincent Price to bring me in. Now, now you're ready. Price, this. Ready and Murray, can you get everybody else ready? Yes, now is the winter of our discontent. But you will not be discontent when you hear this trailer for Vincent Price in Theater of Blood. Now is the winter of our discontent. Critics are likely to make enemies, Inspector. Inspector, are you saying that some lunatic in the theater might be trying to kill us all? Play fails, careers ruined. Plenty of motivation there, she think. We therefore commit his body to the ground. At last, a headline. His head cut off. 
is after you all. You deliberately humiliated me before the press, my public and my peers. Shylock may claim a pound of flesh. Surely the entire might of the London police force can prevent us from being killed. We shall see. I will grind your bones to dust. Uh, what's the next murder, Inspector? Intended murder, you mean, Sergeant? Gosh, I haven't finished yet. All right, everybody, welcome back. And usually we give you the data and the metadata, but today you get the data. You get the metadata and you get the meta metadata. Thanks to, of course, Matt Sosia. Well, you get accurate data this time. Wait, we just make things up. We don't give people accurate data. I don't know. I just make stuff up. You make stuff up. Yeah. Well, yeah I mean, we script it up, but then yeah. we make we made it up at one point to make it into the script. Credits right off the bat. Are the these must have been real uh, silent movies of uh, Shakespeare. I, at first, I thought it was just going to be Richard Lionheart, the character Vincent yeah. Price plays. Now, I'm sorry. I'm going to say Richard Lionheart, by the way, through the entire thing. His name is Edward Lionheart. But I've Edward always Lionheart, said yeah. the king, Richard the Lionheart. Oh, so I'm going to fuck it up. I'm going to let you know that. His name is Edward Lionheart. Yeah. That's, okay. That's all right. I, I'm still doing the uh, Prospero, Pro, Prospero drinking game from last week's show. Oh, man. Did we fuck it that was, name up a lot? It was the Wahoo McDaniel Wahoo McDaniels of uh, of GGT. It was fun. <laughs> nah, it was cool. Yes, they, these are actual silent movies of, of Shakespeare that were done in the 1910s, 1920s. Um, uh, Richard III, Othello, Merchant of Venice, and Hamlet. I I gotta say, I'm interested in that Merchant of Venice. That seems cool. By the way, uh, we, we are not cool with blackface. There is... A fellow, they show some blackface on there, but it was of its time. We have we have yeah. grown as a as a society. That's right. But uh, and... we're growing. Oh, go ahead. No, what's great about Shakespeare nowadays is that anybody can play any role. There have been reversed race productions, reversed genders productions. Um, you know, every you don't have to worry about. Uh, you know the the bloodline of this. You know, in in the Kenneth Branagh's version of Much Ado About Nothing, the brothers are Denzel Washington and Keanu Reeves, and and it's never brought up. It's just mm-hmm. what it is. What? Um, I I once directed an all female production of King Lear for radio. So because you can nowadays. That sounds the all furry version of the Taming of the Shrew. There we Mwah. go. It's great. <laughs> Crimping is optional. That's actually a good comedy, Griff. Why? Because it's about the eternal battle between fog and smog. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that might be a future episode that we have. Taming to of the Shrew, sure. We can do the moonlighting or, episode of Taming of the Shrew. Or Ten Things I Hate About You. That one got turned into a movie in my youth as well, I think. Yeah, it's called Ten Things I Hate About You. Yeah, that's oh. how I remember it. Oh. Ten Things I Hate About You. Anyway, all right. So I was assuming, yeah, I was like, oh, I thought they're, they're, I thought they're going to show Edward. I got it right, Edward Lionheart in his productions, but no, it's just some silent movies movies. that get you in the mood. Get you in the mood, and then we, I get in the mood because nothing gets me in the mood like an old white couple 
with like a fucking nice apartment that looks over a bridge. That's my list. I thought you were going to say reading a newspaper because you don't see that anymore. People you, reading a newspaper. You really don't. No. Just looking at an iPad now. It's just not the same. Every No, it's not the same. How I do think, you show that? Because there's important information being told to us on that newspaper. Exactly. It's beautiful the way you can put, you know, so many little details in there. Like, I don't recognize this date at all, but you recognized it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. March. 15th 1972 a day that will live in infamy yes some yeah. po- some people call the ides of march well, how did it get where the ides of march is that shakespeare that's shakespeare I yes that is the that is the soothsayer who warned caesar at the beginning of julius caesar to uh mm, you better stay home and uh he does not but a film critic named Maxwell, who, who absolutely subsidizes his business by being a slumlord, apparently. Apparently. As one the... would do. Yes. Well, we, we learned that, like, I'm like, when I was, I'm watching this movie, I'm like, wait, Lionheart's the villain? I'm, like, siding with him throughout the whole movie. Oh, no, I, yeah. Immediately, yeah. right off the yeah. bat, they give us this first scene, and I was just like, no, this guy's a, this is a fucking asshole. This is one of those people who's like, oh, yeah, let me buy this building on the cheap and I'm going to revitalize it in the community. I'm going to build so many things around it. It's going to be flourishing in no time. Nothing. But it's still his property, so he has to go take care of it, doesn't right. he? He gets a call from the cops saying, hey, there's some hobos. Yeah. They're not listening to us. We're, we're English cops. We don't have guns. We can't shoot these people. Right. Can you do something just about that? just got our that? bobby sticks. Yeah. And he's, yeah, he's he like... They need, they need someone with real authority. I'm like, okay, Lord Foppington, go for it. I like how it worked on the rich guy, Maxwell, though. He's like, you're right. I do have authority. Yep. And then he's telling his wife over breakfast, look at this. They took out my greatest line in, the, in my review. That was, the, that was the zinger. That was the one that got it. That was the juju bone. First world problems, everybody. First world Struggle is real. Like a real Nancy Reagan, his wife stands up and goes, no, you can't leave. I read your horoscope today. You had a horrible dream. Yeah, horrible dream. I think it was, he was boiling an oatmeal and he was thrown in or something. I don't know. You don't remember? No. That was my dream, actually. Boiling an oatmeal? Is that a, is that a, is there a phobia to that? Oh, oh, phobia. Boiling oatmeal a phobia? Yeah. So, yes, she is like, no, my dear. I read your horoscope. You cannot leave. Like, Pish posh. How dare you? I'm a rich, straight white man. I can do as I please. The police need me. I must go. And go he does. And he's and he's got a meeting coming up, but he's like, no, this is more important. The yeah. kick homeless people out of this building that I'm not using at all. That's right. So he so he heads over. And we see this filthy gaggle of homeless people. Just drinking purple stuff. Murray, I took a close look. I got the laser dispersion of this because I was really curious. Yeah. And I did some research, and it turns out at one point they were trying to do a cross-promotion. Shakespeare meets energy drink. And what was born of that? Henry the Fourth Loco. Henry the Fourth Loco. That's where Four Loco started. I thought the purple stuff. You remember this, the Sunny Delight? Yeah, uh, commercial yeah, where he's like, and he's like the purple stuff. I thought yeah. they were just drinking the purple stuff. Some people said Henry the Fourth Loco was the very first lean drink invented. 
but I have my favorite rapper, Little Henry the Fourth. Apparently, it was an upper, not a downer. Well, there in, in classical verse, it would be the drink of purple. The drink of purple, and they're drinking it, and they're getting down. It's it's they're doing what's known as in the world of hobos a soup kitchen. It's a it's a it's a hobo orgy basically. It is. They got some really good looking hobos though. Like that woman was skeletal. So this is the cast. This this is what should have been the cast of Rent. It'd be more believable. Wait, yes. what's Rent about? Squatters, squatters who can sing and be uh, be charming and way too old for being twenty something squatters. And don't they all have AIDS? Isn't that part of it? But there's a part of that. There is there is that yeah. aspect of it. <laughs> Remember the great the great yeah. song they used it in a Team America AIDS AIDS. We all got AIDS. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> Everywhere. Yes, he's very now. Before yeah. I should think, before they enter, of course, there were um, Maxwell is confronted by two Bobbies who look like they're they might be pops, they might be people in disguise. You don't know yet, but you'll find out as this film goes on. I thought one looked like the Big Mac uh, cop from McDonald Land. They had those like hats, like like the Big Mac cop. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they go, sir, we can't do anything. We don't have guns, you know. It's like, Another fear, I'm here to get these poor people out here. As you can tell, I have a very commanding voice. I will tell them to leave. And he's like, get out of here, Scott, Scott. And then the bums, this, emboldened by their Henry the Fourth Loco. Henry the Fourth Loco. Have you guys ever heard of Four Loco? Uh, I don't drink energy drinks. No, that got banned. That was an alcoholic energy drink. Oh, sorry. And you know what's well, even better? You have to explain a joke. Yeah, he's in Indiana. It's a dry state. He doesn't yeah, know anything about state. alcohol. So they surround him, and they start stabbing him. Well, first he, the, for some reason, there's like a shower curtain or some piece of plastic. Well, yeah. So that yeah, he's it's great. While he's trying to poke at them with an umbrella, and here comes a broken bottle, a knife, a saw, a cleaver, and they start to surround him. So he runs out, and yeah, there for some reason there's I'm sure. Uh, Somebody, a certain somebody who we'll see in a minute, put up that plastic so he has nowhere to run. Plus, we get the vi the cool visual aspect of yeah. a face smushed up against plastic and then uh, blood starting to splurt. It perfectly works in this situation, too, because, uh, uh, sorry, everybody, but we are going to learn this is a whole fucking meta, grand-schemed production. This is, we're getting into the five vibes here. Yeah. It's a it's a psycho reference. It's a oh yeah, it's a psycho reference yeah. as well. Uh, but it's great because as the bums start rushing them, the old bums rush. It's like cops, help me! International sign, hands tied. Sorry, can't help you. So he gets fucking uh, murdered in front of our plastic sheet here. He's getting stabbed up. And he as as he's being murdered, the very familiar Vincent Price esque looking cop goes oh pardon me thou bleeding piece of earth that i am meek and gentle with these butchers mm -hmm. it's <laughs> but you're dead but he's not dead what did we just witness matt what no what? another critical miscalculation on your part dear boy this is kind of his version of in julius caesar when uh caesar is stabbed, a group stab by his closest compatriots, 
and he finds the last person who stabs him, the one that does him in, is his closest friend, which is Brutus, and gives us the line, et tu, Brute. This is their version of that moment. So now here's the theme, people. Shakespearean murders. I love it. That's right. And Fies, we, in the original Fies, we had uh, the plague murders. Plagues of Egypt. Yeah. And then the second one, it was just all over the place. Yeah. And now here we are back with themed murders. Yeah. I'm I'm here for it. I'm pretty sure Theater of Blood was made solely to jump on the the bandwagon. Oh, totally. Yeah, totally. And it's it's the only one of Price's because this was really Vincent Price's last great cinematic run as a leading man. This was the only one that was R rated and didn't do as well, unfortunately. But it's 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 like like you said, guys. It's, this is also a personal favorite of mine, of oh, his. Yeah. It's so good. I mean, Metacritic and I think Rotten Tomatoes. The other thing that gets pulled up on Mike's Plex, according to those two sources, this is. A big time favorite for a lot of people. Yeah, it was it oh, was huge. one of Vincent Price's favorites because really? yep. he got to kill the yeah. critics. Yeah, yeah. Part. he got and there's um somebody in one of the uh, Kino Lorber just put it out on uh, Blu-ray recently and one of the uh, according to legend one one writer was able to meet Price and say kind of like you uh, Griff you know I hated Shakespeare growing up but I loved it when I started watching Theater of Blood. And Price, of course, shot back. Well, if you kill a few critics, you'll get extra credit. <laughs> that's fuck. That's not quite freaking good. But that is fucking good. Right. That is fucking. So uh, Edward Lionheart goes back to his theater of blood, his lair, where he's yep. dressed up in his his uh, Roman regalia, and then he does the Mark Anthony speech after Caesar has been killed. I keep thinking that's a '90s pop star. I can't hear that name and not. No. Oh no! No, this guy was there first. This guy actually existed. Yeah, he so. he married J Lo first. Close, Cleopatra, yeah. J Lo, you know. Yeah. So, and you've and we've all heard it, friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ear. Yeah. Come to Barry Caesar, not to praise him. And for you GGT fans, this is where the term "the evil that men do" comes from, which is, of course, a Charles Bronson title. It's also an Iron Maiden title. That's right. So the bums. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. They're your they're the audience you hate. <laughs> and and not only do we hate Lionheart hates it. It's like shut these. Yeah. He goes to apparently Jeff Lynn from ELO is like working with, with Lionheart. Oh, you mean that person who's not who we think it is? And no, and but... yeah, current, if it's Jeff, if it's not Jeff Lynn, they're in every yacht bo- yacht rock tribute band playing right now. I just loved it. So Jeff Lynn, uh, he commiserates with Lionheart because he he's the master of overproduced music, so he gets some shit on for that. Distraction too. If you're gonna be watching a great magician work, you need the perfect, you know, eye candy. Jeff Lynn, ELO. I kept thinking. Mr. Are you a big ELO guy, Griff? I love ELO. Too over. It's overproduced yeah, for me. It's too it. gloss. It's too, too many. Too many uh, vests with moons and stars on them. Just yeah. 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 Much. By the way, so in Shakespeare's time, this crowd would have been the crowd that went and saw Shakespeare. They would sit in the penny seats and they would kind of yell and throw things. And you know, th- th- this was not like. Um, yeah, this. I mean, the the audiences for Shakespeare plays were kind of like Snowpiercer. You had the elevated, you know, luxury box that we have today, but down in the pennies, 
They just, you know, that's why all the blood and sex and violence of Shakespeare always went over. It was a guar show. It was kind of, yes, thank you. It was a guar <laughs> show, but, but better written. But slightly, and in, and in iambic, so. Oh my God! Well, yeah, yeah, Matt's think? right. People don't know this, but Shakespeare was written for the common man. Everyone thinks it's just for like highfalutin people, because you know, rich people have to take everything from us. Yeah. We can't have anything of our own, and so yeah, they like no Shakespeare is for the the elites, but it's not. It's for everyone. No, and and it's a great Wu Tang and Shakespeare are for everyone. Which is even great when they're in the same theater package, and you know the yeah the highfalutins buy the series package, and like okay we're going to go see we we'll go see Keith Jarrett and then Nick Cave and then wait Guar's playing okay so they but they get the good seats they get the nice seats. I was uh, seeing my kids' production of As You Like It on Saturday. There was a group of girls, college girls, in the front row, and every moment between Orlando and Rosalind was met with the, we all know it, the familiar female cry of, aww. And that, for one thing, it was a great sign that they were getting it. And my wife was near them in intermission and heard one of them say, I was prepared to be bored tonight. And they were not. So that's, cool. so that's you know, at least they weren't throwing vegetables, but they were getting it. So there's, there is some hope. Is that an actual thing? Because that's what I've always seen in my cartoons growing up, was that vegetables were involved. Well... Culinary back then, yeah. Technically, a fruit, tomato. Back then, back then, yes, yeah. You didn't. Um, okay. In your case, they throw sandwiches at you, but they won't do that well, now. If they know me, which would be the greatest uh, compliment ever, if somebody actually knew my distaste for sandwiches, I did a one-man uh, play of Othello where I did every face possible, most offensive play of all time. Um. Yeah, I'd expect sandwiches to be thrown at me. I would expect that. But th it sounds like Shakespeare's the original mud show, and I like the sound of that. But this movie is not a mud show. So he uh, he gives this great uh, Mark Anthony speech, and he's met with, yeah! Oh! And he's disgusted <laughs> by that. Well, he looks, we look yep. up in the crowd, and there's a man with his butt exposed, and someone slapping it. Yeah. Come on. So he goes, Jeff! Please. Please, take care of these people. It's all that Henry the Fourth Loco. Making them, well, Loco. Yeah. And so, yeah, uh, Jeff goes out, slaps some bombs. There's still an order. Ruckus, but then he, he does another great uh, Shakespeare line. Hey, guys, have a dollar. Throws it out there. Got right. two. To put Wilbur album. I'm so tired of being lonely. So uh, there's a critic circle meeting where all the critics, the big critics of England meet. Do you notice in this movie, whenever they need to show wealth, high-rise apartment mm -hmm. overlooking a river? Right. That's the epitome of wealth. Yeah, I've been, a, I've been a film critic for over 20 years. Fuck you guys. I don't have that. I don't have that realtor. But um, also <laughs> the fact that... All of the actors in this play, in this film, have done Shakespeare on stage and, and or in film at one time or another. So they have that going for them. You'll, there's a couple recognizable faces in this group. And they do a great job in this scene of setting up everybody's, like, Piccadilly they have. Like, we learned that Dickman, great name, is a perv. <laughs> because he's like, where's that sexy secretary of yours, Devlin? <laughs> Someone had me an M&M. 
And then uh, Saltery, we learned that he's like a jealous type okay. through this scene. Yep. So we're, like, oh, that's right. we're learning about these guys, and we're like, right. oh. like, there's no wasted like air in this movie. Like right. it, we're, everything's we're said. Saying, like, these are they're used to criticizing. They must be able to take it as well as they give it. No. And the one I hated the most, what, what, his name was like Persnickety Devlin. I, he had this weird like Harry Potter name. Snickety. Yes, that's his brother, I believe, for Snickety. <laughs> I don't remember, but he got on my nerves. Look at fucking Don Adams looking motherfucker. Yeah, I was just like, fuck this guy. And he became a critic. Would you believe like, I'm Snickety? He's got this tiny tuft of hair he's holding on to. Yeah. He's just like he's got the he's got the MPB in the back. <laughs> And then the tiny tuft in front. And I love, we're going to talk about it later, but his little comb scene. Yeah, he thought, and he just thinks he's hot oh, shit. God, All the yeah. Because they're like, they're the lords of entertainment. They, they're they the tastemakers. What? We've talked about it. Back in the day, you couldn't be bald. You couldn't. Oh. You couldn't. Right. Now it's cool. Everyone's bald. Yeah. Couldn't do it. So that hot piece of ass Rosemary that Dickman was talking about. I'm using Dickman's words, by Dickman's the way. Dickman's words. She comes in and goes, did you hear? Maxwell died. And they're like, what? Yeah. So Devlin's like, well, I have to go. I have to, I have to go to the scene of the crime. Why the fuck is Devlin going there? He is important with a capital I. <laughs> yeah. I thought Rosemary called him. Or not Rosemary. Uh, Boots had called him to identify or something like that. But either way. Again, going with the, you're a critic, we need your word. Well, I am an upstanding citizen, so of course I'm going to help out the police. Right. Who knew that the cops go to the critics first? Uh, Very interesting. So this is where we meet Boot, who, uh, I don't remember his name, he played, he's most famous for Duran Duran in Barbarella. Yes, the great Milo O'Shea, yes, he is Duran Duran, and then he, the same year, he played the friar in Franco Zeffirelli's Romeo and Juliet, um, great. I think he's a first ballot Hall of Fame. That guy. I know him from films like The Verdict and Da. I think he did the stage version of Da Irish Play. But yeah, just one of those dudes. It was didn't matter if it was TV, movies, or the stage. Constantly worked. Always good. Reminded me his name when we uh, did an episode that will never air. There was a character named Julius Caesar who was called Lil Boots. And so every time this cop came up, I thought about that movie. That's yeah. good. Good. Is that actually like something that occurred in Shakespeare? I don't know. Is there a Caligula Shakespeare? Oh, that's right, Caligula. I thought it was Julius. Um, Are they? Playing? Yeah, but we don't stage that. <laughs> we'll see. Julius Caesar's enough. Oh, we don't need. Welcome to first dumb moment of the day. So he's checking no, out no, the scene. No, no, no. We talk about hand acting. We talk about throat acting. Uh, boot, eyebrow acting. His eyebrows were on point. Okay. Yeah. I think, I, think, um, I think Peter Gallagher's eyebrows took training from Milo O'Shea's eyebrows and, uh, and David Hemming's eyebrows. All very impressive. They could be the new Expendables. <laughs> the eyebrowable. Crazy because he's got, <laughs> got the like fading man, you know, he's a 56 year old man back in the 70s. That's a gray hair, but he's still got like coal a, black eyebrow. Cool, he's got like a pale uh, Englishman. Sorry, Englishman, you your face, yeah. You don't get enough sunny D yeah. or drinking too much of the purple stuff. <laughs> too much of the fourth, I mean, the fourth love, the drink of purple. 
uh, the drink of purple. But then he's got that pale face, and then they'll just fucking jet black. Who makes that choice? Who's gonna do that? Well, in in America, they would be hair pieces, but at least in England, they just keep it the eyebrows. So there's yeah. a little. They're called thing. they're called eye merkins, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so they're checking the scene out, and they stumble upon a poster for old by for the Julius Caesar by Sir Edward Lionheart. Good job, Murray. And they're like, hmm. yeah, Devlin has a little snicker at it. Oh, oh, this chap right here, and Boots comes over. Oh. What is this? What what does this mean to you? Did yeah. you review him? Yeah, I think Boot even mentions like, oh, I've been to a couple, you know, Shakespeare. Yeah, I've seen that Shakespeare. He's the guy who did uh, Caligula. Yeah, and he's like, you know, this 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 Edward the Lionheart. He just overacts. He's just, I I came to resent him. He was just so hammy. He was a very vigorous actor, as he was described. Yeah. And there's also also with Boot is Constable Dog, who is named after the character Dogberry from Much Ado About Nothing, who's yeah, maybe hasn't seen as many plays as uh, Boot Eye as well. So outside, we see Jeff Lynn luring another one of the uh, the critics, Hector, to the theater. Snipe. Hector Snipe, and he also uh... <laughs> yes. <laughs> And he's luring him into the theater of blood, and because he's like, I think because the the thing was that he was going to tell him that Edward Leinhardt is alive. Yeah, he was going to get an exclusive interview with the exclusive. supposed dead. So they're on the stage, and there's a trap door, and it just drops out from underneath Snipe, and he's in like the oh the bowels of the stage. Yeah, so he's a little freaked out, but. There comes down, you know, man in disguise. Well, he sees a scrapbook first. Oh, that's right. And it's it's Lionheart scrapbook of all the bad reviews he's gotten. Because he this just... is this is a good book. Uh, Matt, do you have a big book of uh, bad reviews? <laughs> we lost Matt. Matt. My of my clippings. Yeah, I read them every night with a with my kerchief and my cap and. My hot, my hot purple drank of purple. Yeah, all the time. All right, Matt. Now, if you know, you wouldn't do this, but if you were to say kill all the, your critics, what literary author would you what would you patent your murders after? I I would use Shakespeare. In fact, I would use one of the plays that's going to be featured in this film later on. Um, I got to be in a production of this particular play, and it's one of my favorite experiences on stage, and uh, it's it's pretty brutal. It's pretty harsh. So oh. I, I, would, I will go with that. So brutal is what you're looking for. Yeah. Well, you got to that... make a statement. Okay, because I'm thinking, like, I would want to do, like, a time rift, rip somebody in half type situation. Like... And then go through their CDs? Well, yeah. If I'm going to use a time rift, I'm going to grift. And riff around. I would base all my murders on Dr. Seuss books. <laughs> what would be in the green eggs and ham? Exactly. We would. I would feed somebody what they think is green eggs and ham, but it's like their loved one or something. Oh, if if that were the case, then I, then I, I guess my alternate choice would be Jane Austen, and I would just shun them to death. There you have it. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I love this out of now. That. We're at the theater of blood, and we have Hector Snipe. 
And he's he's perusing this. He's griffing this scrapbook. It's laying open. So he's like, I guess I can go through it. It's technically a living room. That's probably why he gets killed. Yeah. Spoiler just for, alert. Just for grifting around. So as he's he's griffing through the the scrapbook, beautiful scrapbook. Probably just looking for his reviews on top of it. Some yeah. Piece of shit. Well, we've this. been learning that these critics are. Fucking high on their own supply. He's a gutter snipe, if you will. Gutter snipe. <laughs> and so uh, Edward Lionheart appears. He like I think he just comes through the bowels of the the stage, and he's wearing like a gladiator kind of Roman outfit. Right. Intense makeup. Underneath. Intense makeup. Now, uh, Matt, is is this the normal look you would have for? We uh, as we learned, it's uh, Troilus and Cressida. Is that, is yeah, this this would be because, if you know, even if you were even today when it comes to state uh, stage makeup, if you're in the front row, you still have a distance of maybe 12 to 15 feet from your front row seat to the edge of the stage, not including the lighting that happens. But uh, but no, if, if you want to be seen. To you know, and not have a white blob on top of your shoulders then that makeup that overt is 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 the common norm but especially for a historical play like Troilus and Gressida definitely yeah people don't realize like stage acting is different from movie acting that you have to do big gestures so that people in the cheap seats can yeah. see what you're doing we hear Jim yeah I'm about this in wrestling all the time exactly I'm not a fan of miking actors I've had to do it in a few spots that I've had to direct but if you have a good actor that can speak from their diaphragm and their chest they can hit the wall and bounce back with their voice but uh yeah that's 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 how that that's that's how it works it's called acting dear boy try it sometime as Lord Olivier once famously said yeah it's, it's very like we were just saying Griff it's the same thinking behind professional wrestling why people do such big moves because yeah. the cheap seats people got to see it that's right. the reason why people don't know this so many wrestlers have long hair it's to sell a punch because you fling right. your hair the hair goes flying it yeah, really looks more powerful I, and it, it also helps I'm Go sorry, ahead. even the even the Rick Rude uh, spine buster stuff. I mean, it just kills in the upper 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 decks. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We're getting further and further away from the theater, though. So now Hector, being the little gutter snipe that he is, you notice everybody immediately rats out Devlin. Like it's Devlin. That was yep. good shit. Yeah, I love that. Wait, it's kind of like uh, who's getting ratted out a lot lately? Hmm. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> life. So, uh, yeah, Hector's. You know, he's he's trying to save his skin because uh, 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 Edward Lionheart is looking very ominous. Right. He's got a lot. You know, he's got a lot to say about his opinions and everything. He's just like, they are just opinions. You are right. I, uh, I'm only human. An opinion I am incapable of sharing. Ooh. <laughs> so Hector's sweating. He's just like, Jeff Lynn, Jeff Lynn, I gave you, I gave yeah. you 10 stars. He's in like the little trap hole under the stage looking up at Jeff Lynn, who looks beautiful, by the way, with Elvis glasses and that fro. Oh, my God, Jeff. And Jeff's like, you're among friends, baby. Just just come in a, a very lilting voice. Just uh, call me Mr. Blue Sky because your skies are all blue. <laughs> And and this, this, is the is only time, this is the only time I've ever been sexually attracted to Jeff Lynn. <laughs> and so Lionheart is pointing out some of the similarities between Troilus and Cressida and what's going on 
with Maxwell and all this stuff. And like you said, Hector's like, Devlin, he forced me to write those bad reviews. Right. He gets lifted back onto the stage yeah. where suddenly the Merry Methmen, all of his bums and their Henry the Fourth Loco start charging after him and just putting their hands on him, I think. And just groping him, holding him. Yeah. And then Lionheart impales him on a, like a spear. Yep. Oh, yeah. Didn't they like lift him up on a thing? Yeah. Or they just tra- lifted was... him with their... Yeah, they just picked him up. Right yeah, they there. just picked him up. Yeah. That was fucking brutal. So this is one I'm not familiar with. I actually didn't know he he did a uh, a play about the Iliad. I didn't know that. Yeah, there's that. I mean, and later on, Joan of Arc becomes one of one of Shakespeare's characters in a show. So he they're able to he he was able to lift and borrow and you know make homages whenever possible. So what is what does that mean? I mean, Troilus, I guess, is about Troy, the city. What is Cressida? It's, it's, it's two people. It's two people okay. who are in love with different wars. And th- this is actually the festival I'm involved with. They did theirs the same time that um, my production of As You Like It was going on. So I was not able to see it. It's one of the lesser known ones, obviously. But, um, and I still, it's one I still need to brush up on. But there is what happens in the next scene is one of the things that Troilus and Cressida is most famous for as far as Shakespearean deaths. Um, I'm I'm skirting around the answer, but I'm being honest. Okay. Next morning, we're at the the funeral for Maxwell. That's right. Devlin, being the pussy out he is, immediately notices a sexy woman walking in the distance. Right. Well, of course he does. So he makes a beeline. He's like, I didn't like Maxwell that much anyway. Right. Who would? But she and... was. Hum- she was also humming "Strange Magic" by ELO for some reason. Yeah. It's called foreshadowing, by the That's way. That's called back to foreshadow. <laughs> so we haven't done that in forever. The funeral so nice. breaks up, and then we see a very familiar character as a grave digger reciting a little Shakespeare, shaking his spear, if you will. Oh yeah, he's shaking it all night long. Was this what was what what was what uh, play was this from? Do you know, man? Um, as from Hamlet, there is a character called the Grave Digger. This is the man who is digging the grave for Ophelia, and when and this is the scene where Hamlet finds the skull of his jester of a uh, uh, last poor Yorick. I knew him. So the, yeah, so the, no, there is an actual character called the Grave Digger, and that's that is what Price is doing in the scene. Very we're not talking. Griff, we're not talking about a monster truck. God damn it! I was just going right. to ask: Is this the inspiration to my favorite monster truck? <laughs> Actually, I would love to hear. I would love to hear the monster truck driver do uh, yeah. "Last for York." I would pay to hear that. He does a presser after he wins, and he just starts quoting. <laughs> so this is what a great actor Lionheart is. He's among his victims, and they don't even notice him. Yep. But of course, they're such snobs; they wouldn't give a grave digger even a moment's notice. Oh, right, exactly, because these are critics. They're just like. Done better. And then off in the distance, we hear a horse coming. Right. So they're all galing outside of, uh, what do they call these giant uh, church? Mausoleum. Mausoleum, yes, where the sarcophagus lives. Yes. And we see a horse dragging the body of Hector Snipe. Yep. And this, so, this, so, this, is, this is straight from Troilus and Cressida. Do you want to go into it? Do you want to explain the Troilus and Crested? Are you not familiar with this play? No, no, this just it's just you know body dragged by horse, kind of. Yeah, kinda cool. I remember this from yeah. the Iliad. Cause we we did the Iliad in high school, and it was Hector. So uh, what happened was Hector kills Achilles' boyfriend slash best friend. Achilles yeah. flips the fuck out. 
and is like challenging Hector, like, bitch, come out here and fight me like a man. Are you describing uh, f- Mid-South Wrestling right now? No, I'm because it sounds like it's it. the Iliad. Well, they they was Mid South Wrestling was inspired by the Iliad. <laughs> okay, and so Hector's like, I gotta go out. Achilles called me out, and of course, Achilles just whips his ass and just fucking kills him. And then, at insult to injury, he ties Hector to the back of his chariot and just drives around the uh, Troy. Oh, okay, I yeah. feel like I've seen that reference. In a it was in of... fucking the Troy movie with Brad Pitt. I didn't see that. No. Now. Thanks to you guys. Now I want to hear Jerry Lawler and Bill Dundee do scenes from Troilus and Cressida. You give Lance Russell as the chorus. Uh, Austin Idol is, is hopping in there. This, I mean, if Shakespeare is. I mean, wrestling is soap operas for dudes. But uh, yeah, we, yeah, we'll add some Shakespeare into it. It would have been fucking sweet to see them do the their normal promos, but Shakespeare line. Imagine the boogie woogie man doing a fucking okay, okay. Who would he be? T Bolt. Yes. <laughs> so, Jimmy Inspector, Martin. yeah, weasel ass. <laughs> Inspector Boo is just like, look, there's a connection here. I'm seeing it. You guys are critics. This is Shakespeare. But of course, Devlin is just worried about. He's like, look, I got the fog hitting me real hard right now. Where's my comb at? I found that woman. He's got a one tooth comb, yeah. and he's like, "What <laughs> tooth comb? There's just one thing to split the hair." Meredith, uh, this is another fucking Harry Potter character. Meredith, Meridu. Yeah, it's like with, is, his, yeah. with his with his poodles, very, playing it very flamboyantly. I'm assuming gay man with his poodles. Got to steal the scene from somebody else because yeah. one woman goes, "Oh my god, I'm gonna faint," and then Meredith picks up and goes, "No." Georgino's gonna be sick. George... His babies. Gino. My babies. My babies. So yeah. Devlin, he's like, he's smelling that stank. And he <laughs> runs to uh, the gigantic, like for a guy that everyone laughed at and thought sucked, gigantic two monolith to Edward's Lionheart. It's a, it's a life-size statue of him, yeah. I believe, holding his daughter in his arms or something. Yeah, I'm gonna say, it's like before. If the critic, these, if these critics have the same realtor as Lois Lane and Superman, so apparently Lionheart had a finance, you know, had an accountant that was able to get him, you know, yeah, a ginormous headstone at a, at a good rate. It was the biggest sarcophagus I've ever seen, guys. Right. It was on the side of the building too, so it's like you don't even have to pay for admittance to see him. It was. And... It was three inches from the ground up. Oh. Hmm. Matt, I'm sweating now. And this is where we meet a new character, Edwina, his daughter, Edwina Lionheart. Great way. That's why I always thought if I if I ever had a child and a daughter, neighbor Grifflina. Yeah, I at first I was thinking he would name it after a Shakespearean yeah, character. Of course, like wouldn't it? Was was Reagan? Was that the one that was loyal to King Lear, Matt? Regan, Reagan? No, uh, Cord- Cordelia is the Cordelia. one. So you, you oh, could have okay. said Cordelia. You could have said, yeah, you could have said Ophelia. You could have called her Mrs. Peel. I mean, any of those would 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 suffice. But, but like Griff said, it sells it better. He's such a narcissist that he would, yep. of course, name his daughter after him. That was the first time I was like, I don't know about this motherfucker. I don't know. I loved his gravedigger outfit. I loved it, but. Man, and of course Edwina, played by the great uh, Diana Rigg, the only woman good enough for James Bond to marry. Oh, uh, that was her. Emma yeah. Peel, of course, from the Avengers. We all love 
Diana Rigg. Oh, okay. yeah. There is, I, I have to tell you guys, you have to look for it. There is a film version of A Midsummer Night's Dream from 1968. She is in it. Helen Mirren is in it. David Warner is in it. They all play the lovers. Um, the youngest I've ever seen Judy Dench and being green as Titania, King of the, uh, Queen of the Fairies. Ian Holm is in it as Puck. And it looks like it's a BBC production, and it, it it almost has the setup like a Hammer horror film. It's like somebody from the BBC found Lord Foppington's castle to film around for the weekend while they were on holiday, and they just shot around this castle for like you know two or three days and made a play. But uh, seeing Helen, young Helen Mirren and young uh, Diana Rigg together, I, for me that make that make more money than the Taylor Swift movie. And he immediately has to strike up a conversation with her. And she's like, fuck you. You're the reason my dad's dead, you fucking asshole. You and your criticisms and your denying of proper flesh. You should have given him his flowers. And this is where we see how every critic in this fucking movie is a weaselly little shit. Like, when they're writing the reviews, it's just like, ha, <laughs> Bullshit, this guy's trash. He's like, I thought he was pretty good, actually. But I just, he would, it was his problem was he only did Shakespeare. I wanted him to come to the modern world. I was just trying to goad him into becoming a modern actor. Don't, hasn't he ever heard of this new play? Uh, Rent? So he's basically using the asshole gym teacher uh, logic. Yes. I abused him oh to push God. him to be great. So Devlin's modern uh, equivalent is Jim Jordan. Exactly. He he would turn. I, he would definitely turn his blind eye to someone molesting someone. Right. Allegedly. 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 All right. We're still on YouTube thanks to that. Allegedly. So now we see this is a, a play I am not familiar with, but we see Cymbeline. Lionheart. Yes, they're rehearsing a scene from the Cymbeline. Yeah, it's it's also there's it's also one yeah that's not done a whole lot, and I have not seen a production in over ten years. Um, but the killing is pretty good. Right. We get uh, we now we jump to the scene of uh, Horace Sprout and his uh, bitchy wife. Coming home from probably a Shakespearean play, an opera, or something classy. Right. You know, yeah. they don't have to jump up to the modern times. Only Edward Lionheart does. Right. They can still go see all the Shakespeare plays they want. Right. So they, they're, getting, they're getting ready for bed. They notice a giant pirate chest in their, in their bedroom. Not a cause for stressing. It's just kind of a, oh, how did that get there? I don't give a fuck. I want to go to bed. Yeah. It's a Trojan chest. He does try to open it, but then she's like, oh, dear boy, just get in bed. We'll deal with it in the morrow. So they, they go to sleep. And then we see, like you said, it's a, it's a Trojan horse in sheep's clothing. Oh, my God. Just seeing the, the, the chest crack open, and then uh, Lionheart is wearing the fucking doctor uh, yeah. reflective disc on yeah, his like head. Yeah, like like yeah. a turn of the century doctor kind of outfit with that that thing. We all we all know it it yes. denotes doctor, but we don't know what it's for. Yeah. Yeah, you and know, it, that head it, it is 
to get it because you have surgical lights and they can bounce off the sheet the reflector so you get oh. uh, it lands onto the body so you get a better image of it and and sidebar kudos to uh lionheart and jeff lynn for the circular breathing for the amount of time they had to stay in that trunk before they oh. were able to get out is that a stage trick? Is that something you know very well? You talked about diaphragms. Now we're talking about circular breathing. It is something you should always work on. It's uh, you know, it, 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 it always helps to work on it. Always. And Ask got... Mattingly. He's he's great at circular breathing. Yeah. Oh, and we and we know Jeff Lynn. He likes to partake in the weeds. So he was hot boxing that fucking Trojan. That's chest. right. Oh, okay. So they were feeling pretty good. They were definitely feeling something or nothing. And I got real, I got five vibes off this scene. This is one thousand percent a five vibe. Yeah, because they're like they're they're dressed like we do. We do a little thing. He's like gloves, and they put the glove. He puts his hands up, and they put the gloves on his hands. Yep, and it's it's a Bugs Bunny scene, if you will. Right, it's getting real silly up in here because he's putting out like the big thick rubber mat over uh, uh, Sprout, and so just his head is exposed over right. the rubber mat. And he's drawing a line with lipstick. Right. Well, dotted line on the throat. It is Jeff Lynn shade. You're right yes. about that. Draw a little dotted line across the throat. Yep. And it's like scalpel. And then oh he also they all before that they, it. they, they inject do, them. They inject them a little morphine. That's right. And her. Shot to the butt. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. And she's like, ooh, and that, then she, so. great acting. I <laughs> haven't seen butt acting like that. Cheek acting is what we like to call it. <laughs> <laughs> and she turns the other cheek, goes she to bed. You're snoring. So they're both like high on morphine. Right. He starts getting to work at cutting up his throat, but blood splurting out. And he's like, basin. And he does this. There are so many great up, uh, what do they call it? Close cuts or whatever of uh, uh, Vincent Price doing a facial shot. Yeah, you right. can hear he his eye roll from here. Exactly. That's all I can think of. That's what's playing through my head is a gif of him doing this eye roll. Get me the bait. Beautiful, like, mint vase or whatever. And he, she puts it up there and blood's just flowing into it. Oh, right. so good. And then he does, you know, then we cut away to the next morning. And we see the maid coming in to give her their breakfast in bed. And we see Sprout just lying there. He looks uh, like a very sad sausage. A little pale. Point. little pale. Thank you. A little pale. And little Mrs. Pale. Sprout goes, oh, dear boy, get up. And he pushes him, and his head just falls off the body. And the maid falls down, comes to, falls head, down again. Head, because she sees the head's falling head. next to her, so she screams and passes out again. It's fun. Got to Devlin in his high-rise bachelor pad, combing that one hair, <laughs> getting it just right. Beautiful apartment overlooking a bridge and a river. London Bridge. London Bridge. It's not falling, falling down. Goes for his mail and his milk. This is back in the day where people still delivered milk. Yeah. And he yeah. and then heads as well, because we see Horace Sprout's head just pumped right on top of that milk bottle. So he calls How in did... Boots. Go How ahead. did the head get there? Amazing timing. Microwave times I'm a million. Guessing, I'm guessing the ladies fainted, and yeah. then Jeff Lynn or they were still in, they were still in the chest. By the way, ah, the there you yeah. go, yeah. there you go, and there we can grab the head, and they were able yeah. to get it there right after the milkman, but before uh, Assbag is combing his hair. So way to go, way to go, Lionheart. 
It's incredible. That's, that's the, how committed he is to the parts. He must have trained with Seagal for a moment there or something. I all mean, Seagal was all of breakfast. Exactly. He didn't even have his milk. So Boot and Dog show up, and they get a list of the rest of the critic circle because they know that they're getting knocked off. So they know, you know, they see a pattern, if you will. Right. They're like meeting up in Devlin's place, I believe, and they've got all the other critics, and they're just like, wait a minute. We didn't get... We didn't. We weren't able to get a hold of one Trevor Dickman. Like we heard that he was out at this restaurant, but he wasn't there when we went. And now we get to do a little Scooby Doo flashback here. But he's yeah, and he's just like, look, you're gonna have police escort wherever you go, so don't worry about it. We got you covered. That's right. Oh, so now we see uh, Dickman, Trevor Dickman, yeah. having at like a cafe, an outdoor cafe, right? Just enjoying yeah. a nice little coffee, cappuccino. Who knows? And then we see a nice shot, a nice Tarantino-esque shot of some sexy white go-go boots. Right. I loved how they did this. They just had green M&M's just falling over her, cascading over her. This was the inspiration behind M&M's being sexy right here, this scene. This yep. is where James Bond fell in love. And we see it's Edwina. Edwina. In a disguise. Edwina. I think she's wearing a wig. Yep. And she's all you know, looking like a go-go dancer. And we know Trevor... The dick man, as he calls himself. That's right. Can he can't? He's he's a footman as well. He's got a one inch gap in between every tooth. It's incredible. I didn't know that was <laughs> even possible. British teeth, Griff. British teeth? Is that what they call that? British teeth. British I know, teeth. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah but yeah, he is he is in full boing mode when when she shows right. up. Yeah. So wait, is his coffee drink like uh, what is it? A Cialis or something? One of those boner pills? Is that what he? No, Dickman doesn't need no stinking boner pills. Are you kidding? <laughs> I thought it was an ironic name. He didn't have fuck. He would just like tape a stick to his dick, you oh, know? Because he didn't have Viagra back. Hearing then. back the old ways where people would get boners. Oh my god. Yes, so, the old-fashioned 20th century boners. Natural oh boners. Oh, So she confides in him. She's like, I was supposed to meet Hector Sprout. We're doing a production. He was going to come coach us and tell us, like, give us some pointers, but we can't get a hold of him. Could and, you stand in? There is a shot in this. this. This sums up Dickman as a whole, because then they have the shot where he's supposed to comfort her and a normal skeezy person would pat her knee, and he put his hand right up on her on her upper thigh. Yes, yes. He's not, he, he's not, he's not fooling around. He Pete Rose did. He went from you know what should have been second base straight up to third base. Yep. Right. And he's like, "Dear girl, of course I will help you." Because she, because he, he's merely, he's like, "What? How awesome it is that Sprout got killed? I'm gonna get laid today." Yep. We think like Sprout's been hanging out with these types of bras. What the fuck? I need to know Sprout a little better. Yeah, right. So he's, well, look who he's, he's like, look he's, who he's married to. So right. It's I mean, Dickman's like, look, I'm such a critic. I'm not an actor. I can't do this. But uh, for you, I'll try. Yeah, yeah. He's willing to do the pointers. Like he really it, the rubber hits the road when they actually ask him to ask an uh, act in a second here. Right. But he's just fucking. He's like batting her eyes. They, you know? They're getting flirtatious. She's like, maybe you can watch me perform. And you know they do kind of a stop. Like, oh, that was a little innuendo there. It's like, oh boy. You mean acting. They walk away. Diana Riggs fucking walking with a switch, shaking that ass. Is that what that's called? Yeah. That little, okay. Yeah. That move, okay. And they go off just as the cops arrive. That's so now we're, 
Yes. Yeah. Now we're at the theater of blood. Again, microwave timing in this movie is sick all level. It's incredible. The police are like, hey, we can't find Dickman. Where's Dickman? At the theater of blood. And he is going to be now at a, at a, a rendition, a new rendition of The Merchant of Venice. Right. Living theater with audience participation. Mm. But there's going to be some slight alterations. To Just this. ever so slightly. We butchered it a little bit. And so we see, I don't know, I, I, are we going to have to cancel, uh, cancel Vincent Price? It's no, no, it's 1973. Okay. I think he's grandfathered in. And yeah, this Merchant of Venice is a very difficult play to to tackle in in, in this current climate. Um, it, you know, what we're going to see in a moment between Dickman and Lionheart is Antonio needs to borrow money from Shylock. Um, Shylock is, of course, Jewish, and he is on the brunt of all the anti-Semitism in Venice, and he agrees to uh, give him the loan, and if he does not pay him back, he gets a pound of flesh, literally. And then we get to the court case, which they sort of do in, in this one. But there's also been discussions on is Shylock really the villain because he's been the victim of anti-Semitism all, all of his life. Um, so anyway, it's, it's up for debate, and it's, it's complicated, gang, so, so read carefully. Uh, Vincent Price isn't Jew-face, as they call it. He's got the nose. Thank That's you, Sarah. That's what they call it. That's what they, they do, I know. Oh, yep. okay. And so, but like you said, it's 1972, or okay. 73. Well, we, we have evolved. Well, I, I like to believe so. So he's he's doing the this and I don't know if you know this you you've heard the terms you've you've heard the term Shylock for a loan shark that's where it comes from. I've only yep. heard of the pound of flesh. Yes. I haven't heard this whatever you said Shylock for a Shylock. And he goes lay bare your bosom. And they they's yeah. like ooh he's getting into it because uh uh Edwina's like opening his shirt. Oh yeah, as soon as Edwina starts going for a shirt because they've. They have led this man on so hard. He started reading lines. No, no, no. Say it with bravado. Say it like you mean it. Mugosto. Dickman was Dickman was getting into it. He's lifting his glasses. He's trying to do some fucking serious hand acting. So when she's starting to lay open his shirt, he's got the fucking uh what was the horoscope or whatever it was? He had one of those fucking signs, like the M with the horn that shot off in one direction. I don't know. What That's is one what of, is I'm sorry. What is fun watching the scene with Andrews and with with Price throughout is the fact that they have to do it not well, especially in Price's case, because his performances as Lionheart vary. It's kind of the Shakespeare equivalent of Meryl Streep learning to have to sing poorly for a film like Florence Foster Jenkins. Okay. And then Lionheart approaches. This is the scene, the pound of flesh scene, where he demands his pound of flesh. But in the real Merchant of Venice, Antonio does not right. get killed. That's but right. Then, his his daughter Portia in disguise, foreshadow, uh, finds a loophole and the case is thrown out. The so Lionheart approaches him with this Rambo knife. And then he realizes, finally Dickman realizes, Lionheart! Immediately, it was Devlin, not me! And then Lionheart just stabs him in the chest, rips out that heart, goes over to the, the scales, weighs it out, goes, hmm, a pound two ounces. Mm. I, 
I only wanted a pound. I'm an honest man. Right. So he just saws off a little bit of it. Perfect pound. Perfect pound. He apparently Lionheart also worked at a deli. So yeah. he knows his weights. Keep your thumb off the scale. All right. Is there anything else we need to we talked a lot about Merchant of Venice. Is there anything else we need to know about it before we move on? It's worth checking out. There's a there's a film version with Al Pacino uh and oh, Jeremy. Whoa, Irons. whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa. Do not say Al Pacino on this podcast. <laughs> Unless Why? you're rolling a donut that we fling some kind of thing through. We don't give a flying fuck. Oh, we're rolling donut about yes, Al Pacino. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so sorry. You can sorry. say what year was this uh uh late nineties of late nineties, okay. Late yeah. 90s Merchant of Venice. Don't bother looking at who's on the acting list. There. Jeremy Irons. He's he's in Jeremy it. He's Irons. cool. Yeah. Don't mind the don't mind the other guy. Back at Devlin's. They're putting the putting two and two together. It's equaling four because they <laughs> see they uh I think Boot notices there's like uh uh Devlin points them to it. Oh, uh, that there was a Ly Edward Lionheart, like he did a series of plays. Right. And they notice yeah. that the plays are falling in order as to who's being killed. Exactly. They're lining up with the murder types and everything. They fit into the plays in the exact order of this poster. So now they have something that they have a lead. Right. And so like, all right, what's the next play? And it was, I think it was Romeo and Juliet, or was it Merchant? They, they, they point they, out Merchant of Venice. They start talking more yeah. about just like where, where are we going to with all of this shit? Like, why, why would he be doing all this? And this is where we get kind of a look into the past, Murray. Right. We need to see what caused all of this. Yeah. So we cut back to the uh, Critics Circle Award show. They they just had it. They're reveling in their criticisms. They're all wearing their tuxedos with frills. It is the 70s after they all. They look like you at Nick Cave show. Right. And they're just going, aren't we the greatest? We discovered a new talent tonight. Right. Just as <laughs> comes in dressed like Bella Lugosi. He's got his best cape on. And he's just like, oh, I'm here for my award. And he just goes right for this ugly ass trophy that they have. It was like That's the right. it was like MTV Moon Man trophy. Everybody's like setting down their drinks, jaws a gasp. Ah, what is this man doing? Vincent Price, by the way, wearing a fucking like tuxedo or whatever it was with a cape with a red Dracula. interior. Dracula. Yeah. He looks so fucking good. Riff. Mustache. How do what, how you feel? Ten out of ten. I'm good. usually a thick stash guy, but you know what? There's room for a John Waters and there's room for a Vincent Price stash. The problem is it's all character that drives it. It's all Price's persona and John Waters. So don't attempt this, people. So he's like, I'm here for my war, and Devlin's like, Oh no, 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 good boy. We discovered a new talent. You ever heard of a, an actor by the name of Albert Al Pacino? Where Lionheart comes back with, Lost I don't give up. a flying fuck into a rolling you donut just, about you, what Al Pacino thinks. You can't give Al Pacino a award. Just give him to Scorsese or whoever is fucking fascinated by Al Pacino. Coppola. Is Pacino. Coppola. Yeah. He's, not a, he's not a stage actor. Not like Vincent Price is. 
Not like Edward Lionheart is. Not like Edward Lionheart. Edwina comes in. She's like, Father, don't embarrass yourself. You don't need these awards. I recognize your greatness. That's all that should matter. He was doing a little bit of a Tom Cruise. He was taking his shirt off. He was stomping around on a table, and Edwina calmed him down. The, the award doesn't make the man. Actually, yes. there, there is, there's an interview with Price and listening to the commentary track because Price was a contract player at Fox going back to the 1940s. So if you, there's there's a lot of films where you can check out. We did before House of Wax, which kind of dubbed him the new king of horror. And it was that he had that different type of training. And then when the 1950s hit, and that's what they're alluding to, were the kind of method actors like Marlon Brando, James Dean, Montgomery Clift, where you know it was kind of mumble and more natural or more realistic. Not as uh, they weren't shooting for the eye. They weren't shooting for the rafters. It was more yeah. internal. Right. So she's like, Father, please don't embarrass yourself. These these are these are losers. Right. All right. You're awesome. And then he finally he realizes you Lionheart. Awesome. Lionheart is like, Do I suck? Like he's having this crisis of conscience for him. He's like right. he doesn't know what to think and he goes off into the balcony. And the fucking critics are just like half interested in this they're like, crazy man. No, they're like playing. laughing at him. They're like, they're, you believe this guy thought he was going to win? They're tittering. They're like, where are our hours dwarvesers? Exactly yes. what they said. And Lionheart is on the balcony where he goes into. If you've never even heard of Shakespeare, you know the most famous Shakespeare soliloquy of all time. We're going to play a little of it for you because we can't do it justice. Let's hear a little bit of Edward Lionheart doing Hamlet. To be or not to be, that is the question. Whether it is nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, and thus the native hue of resolution is sicklied or by the pale cast of thought and enterprises of great pitch and moment with this regard, their currents turn awry and lose the name of action. <laughs> Bravo! <laughs> Bravo! Bravo! I mean, this movie somehow gives you the five vibes. It gives you the fucking Hamlet to to die for. Like, our man over here speaks Shakespeare. Yes, he does. He, Up it, yours, he Mel Gibson. Winghauser oh, is that tears coming down Winghauser's eyes. My God, if he if he were like servicing this, Winghauser uh, says, oh. "Who gives a fuck? I do." That's how amazing. That's right. That's he gives two was. fucks up. And then to to just punctuate that great performance, he leaps off the balcony to his yep. death, while the people are just laughing at it. Yeah. Still. A little drastic, overdramatic as usual. Yeah, overacting as always. Overacting as always. And then he just, we just, we're like, I guess he's dead. I mean, he's, he's like a hundred foot fall into the a river. Right. Back to the present. Devlin is talking with Boots. He's like, Lionheart's behind these murders, man. I know it. As he's saying that, a package comes in for Devlin. <laughs> Matt, please help us, uh, help us unravel our beautiful package here. Sorry to have missed the meeting, but my heart is with you. Hmm. Opens it up, and lo and behold, 
It is Forrest Br- uh, Brout. Is that the guy? Yeah. Dickman's. Dickman's. Dickman. Yeah, Trevor's yes. Dickman. This is why we have you on here, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> That's Dickman. But it's That's his nightclub. But That's his nightclub. From what we know about Dickman, shouldn't it be his dick? I, I mean, yeah, but then, but then you know it's already got an R rating, and if you get a PP in there, then it might get an, it might get X. It was, no, how about this? Because he did the whole scale thing. He his dick, he removes one of his balls, and then it goes up to one pound. Maybe you could remove the head of the dick, and it's just never mind. It's getting graphic, and we don't know. You, you know, you that could be a pound of flesh if you were impressive, Dickman. But you know, I don't know. It's a... cut to Lionheart. Reciting Richard the Third in a little cellar with candelabras everywhere. Great, great sets here. I love this. Yeah, you're 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 a target, but this critic is not going to let uh, being one of the top targets for murder get in the way of for his scheduled wine tasting. Damn it! None of these critics do. They're really kind of whatever about. I it. know, really. Yes. It's like it, it's it's like Fives victims. We're like, oh, you're gonna kill me. All right, and yeah. These, and, you know, and, hey. and everyone's favorite wine tasting receptionist is there, Jeff Lynn. Jeff. Uh, Matt, the theme of this whole movie is entitlement. They're so entitled. Oh, yeah. Like, I even though half of their like group has been killed, it's not gonna be me. I'm nope, not gonna and- die. And the critic doesn't notice the other wine tasters who look and smell considerably different than everybody else. Nope. Doesn't notice didn't, it at all. Didn't Jeff Lynn write that song, Don't Bring Me Down? No, yep. no, no, don't bring me down. Do the wine cellar. Oh. Yeah. He's just saying, live your life. It doesn't matter if your friends and colleagues are dying. No, he's being literal. He's saying, don't bring me down to the wine cellar. That's what that is. He's very little. It's a treacherous tale, then. So he's yeah. saying, Don't bring me down. Right. And he's singing it, but it's, it's, it's such a catchy tune. You're like, I'm going down <laughs> in the cellar because I want to hear the rest of this song. So he does the famous Richard III speech. Now is the winner of our discontent. This yeah. is another historical play, Griff. It, wait, history? Richard III actually existed. Where? Yes. In England. In England. New yeah. or old? Old. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's he's dead, Griff. Just so you yeah. know, he was also a hunchback and a club foot. A club foot. Oh, he had a club foot. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's fucking dope. And I believe he was the last king of England to actually fight in battle. I might be wrong about that. Uh, thus the which also sprout the famous line: "A horse, a horse, my kingdom for a horse." Oh, um, I know that there, line. There is yes, there is a great film version of this. From the 90s with Ian McKellen as Richard. He's right. Yeah. He's right. It is really in, good. It's set in the 40s and the logo, it's it's not a swastika, but it's something else. But yeah, yeah. he's really good. That's when Maggie Smith, Annette Benning, Robert Downey Jr., uh, Nigel Hawthorne. It's it's a really solid uh, film version of this story. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to start checking out some of these fucking films. I gotta get I gotta get boned up on Shakespeare. I and gotta get on Shakespeare's bone. As he finishes his, uh, the soliloquy, he reads off a review from Oliver Land Larding, Lard. our next victim. Up above, we see Jeff Lynn. He's get he's it's a wine tasting, so he's the cops always have to wait outside. Always, yeah. Well, yes. Come on, they're common people. Right. They can't be hanging you out. You wouldn't understand wine. Which I thought when I first watched the movie and was doing the notes, 
that he had highfalutin friends surrounding him. But then when I watched it the second time, the whole company he was there on the first floor with, the Mary Methman. Yeah. yeah, they they know what cheese goes with the drink of purple, the smoked <laughs> gouda. So Larding is just—he's just chugging one. You're supposed to let it breathe, Larding. You're supposed to just take a little in your mouth, swish it around, right. spit it out. But it, it's working into his uh, 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 whatever his narcissism is, or whatever the fuck his issue is, because he's cracking these jokes. And all the Mary Methman, because they're high as fuck and getting drunk as fuck and getting a free meal and in a warm place, they're all laughing along with it. And so he's like, I'm the fucking king. I, he's having the greatest time of his life. He's enjoying it. And then Lionheart comes in to f- throw some fucking cold water on his dick. Yeah, they. Uh, Jeff Lynn shows larding to a very special wine wasn't this your favorite year like the suve cavernet is that your favorite and he's like oh you have a 52 suve cavernet i can't believe it see that's made up but he doesn't care because he wants to sound sophisticated right yeah so he gets in there and that's when you hear <laughs> and larding goes <laughs> it's impossible you're dead and then Lionheart goes, I could see you. You make a perfect Clarence to my Richard III. You remember Clarence, don't you? He drowned in a barrel of wine. Meth men to me. The meth men grab Larding, tip him up upside down, head first into that barrel of wine. I'm going to, I know, I'm sorry if we have any people working in the tech industry. He did say a word. I didn't know Shakespeare came up with this word. He said, do the needful. Shippers. So, uh, do you need to flesh out Richard III for us, uh, Matt? No, uh, I mean, it's, this is a guy who kills his way to the top, and then he enjoys his success very briefly, and then, then, and then is kind of killed. But, um, and, and Lawrence Olivier did a film version of it in the 50, 50s, which I recommend, but the Ian McKellen one might be a little more accessible. We also remember uh, that Larding, apparently Larding drank too much and fell asleep during Lionheart's Richard III performance, which it is brought up to Larding by Lionheart. Also, oh. the fact that the... Also, the fact that the cellar was apparently lit by John Woo, and the only thing missing were flying doves in the cellar. I mean, there was a thousand fucking candles. It was like every music video in the 80s. You are dead on. And thank you, Matt. We said we needed the man with the data. Yeah, I did. I think I saw Sting in the background. We had that blown out hair, too. Yeah. Branford Marcellus playing sax behind him. Yeah, all that. Oh, oh, it's so good. One more down. Cut two. Edwina, she apparently does makeup on movie sets, so she's doing, you know... She's keeping around the business. Right. Good front. Yeah. Devlin shows up, like, look, I'm worried your father's alive. She's like, no, he's not. He's dead. What are you talking about? As he's there talking, Boot cuts in. Hey, do you just hear Larding was found drowned in a barrel of wine? And Boot is, takes an interest in Edwina, too. Like, Well, she has to be it, because her father's dead. Right. He's the likely suspect, so it has to be her. Right. Because she's Edwina. Oh, that's easy confusion. It's easy to confuse a dead person with their daughter. So, yeah, of course. Who would have motive? Since the one that we we suspect, Edward Leinhardt, is dead, it must be the daughter. that makes sense. So he's like, I need to take you in for questioning, ma'am. She's like, all right, I'll go. But Devlin, 
He's got a busy schedule ahead of him, man. All right. He keeps to a fucking... You think he would just stay at your house under police protection? Nope. I got to do me some some fencing. That's right. So he shows up at the fencing school. There's a blind guy selling matchbooks. Fucking dick straight out of Dickens. I don't know if they had people selling matchbooks in the 70s, but maybe they did. Right. And he gives them a little, like, little, like, penny. Walks in. It says like uh, there's, a, there's a sign. Yeah, the sign. There's like the the cardboard sign on the window or whatever hanging from a string, and you can see it's in the camera shot that it, it we're facing closed. So to the exterior world, it's showing open, and then he flips it over. Right. So he goes in. He puts on his fencing gear. He notices there's a guy there also there, dressed. Yeah, in- it's completely empty. Yeah. So that's weird. They're like in a gymnasium. Yeah. And we see, uh, uh, spoiler alert, it's Lionheart. I saw this movie once before, uh, like four or five years ago. Mike told me to watch it, and I enjoyed it. But the one scene I remembered from it, this scene right here. Lionheart, since it is a dueling thing, he's playing a Frenchman in this. He's like, hello, monsieur, mon ami. Um, Are Vincent Price, you you said that he sometimes he plays down to the role, sometimes plays up to... Is, are his accents good? No, I mean, it's okay. Yeah. Okay. No, okay. Not, not, not in these. Not, well, but I think part, know. well, his role is he's supposed to not be a great actor. He right. thinks he's great. Okay. Right. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah the, these accents, not so great. Of course, we'll save the greatest disguise for last, uh, almost last when we get closer to it. But yeah, this one is just fun because you can't see who it is, and uh, which, is make, which makes it easier for the director and the stuntmen to do the next scene. Right, so he's like, no one is here, mon ami. How about you and I, Spot? I haven't done it so much because I broke both my legs. Oh. And he's just like, well, all right, let's do it. And they, they get in their positions. He's like, wait a minute. Your, the tip of your sword doesn't have a button on it. It's like, ah, but of course. How about I take off yours? And he takes it up, you know, let us on guard. <laughs> So, oh, and of course, he reveals his mask. I do say, my friend, I will reveal myself. <laughs> so now they're just, we see the Lionheart, he's kept up on his stage uh, sword play because he's. Jesus Christ, he was great. For an old man, he's fucking, you know. Matt, how much of this gym do they explore? <laughs> All of it. Great cardio for both Amazing. of them. I mean, Amazing. For you know, we we know we have action movies with geezers in them now, like Liam Neeson and everything. But mm-hmm. Let's see them hop around this gymnasium with with ropes and trampolines and swords. I mean, this this is great. This had to be the inspiration behind Jim Cotta, because we've got pummel horse fighting, we've got people fighting balance on the beam fighting balance beam. We've got the two rings. I don't know what that's called. They're, they're called the rings. They're called the rings. Yeah. Oh my god! They're throwing swords. They're the going rings up and... the bleachers. They're going across. They're fighting. There is a moment we will point out that uh, because Devlin is nowhere close to being in uh, Edwards' league of fencing. By the way, so he pins them once on the bleachers, and it's like, you know what? You're gonna die. So I'll tell you everything. And we get the flashback. Yes. Yep. The classic the Bond villain. Right here. Yeah. Right. And he's like, and do you remember what was on the next the next play on my list? Romeo and Juliet. Well, do, are you going to talk about the flashback? How we survived? Oh, there was a flashback? Yeah, Is no. That's why I was trying to leave oh, you there. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. It was because it was so quick. 
because it was really quick and it yeah it, it, it turns out he really he didn't fake his death he really was going to kill himself yeah but just by luck he survived and he washed up in hobo row yeah where he found his true audience right family family yeah, it, they did look like juggalos it turned it looked like it did look like grape uh fago i was gonna say it hey. turns out he didn't make uh henry the fourth loco he made great fago yeah, fago great pop and they're just pouring it down his gullet and he's like i found my people you know there's a little bit of like uh you know hesitation there at first but then next thing you know the the people are following him because he's a great orator right that's what he's wicked about. clown style now <laughs> they're coming to town murray well, of course, they'll come into town. They live here. Halloween. They always do. Halloween no, Kid. Twisted is on the 30th. At the Masonic. ICP. Yeah, on the 31st. So we could be doing that. Yeah, I'm not going to be there. <laughs> so <laughs> this is where he acknowledges the next time I listen to Romeo and Juliet. You remember the duel, don't you? I was thinking he would, for a duel, you'd go Hamlet, wouldn't you, Matt? Or You're I guess because... Go either. It could kind of go either way. I mean, the duel in Hamlet is great. Um, but this one... It, yeah, because um, Romeo and Juliet, of course, Tybalt, the Capulets and the Montagues, uh, they hate each other, but Romeo and Juliet love each other. And then um, Tybalt, who is uh, Juliet's cousin, hates the family, challenges Romeo to a fight. Romeo doesn't want to do it, so his buddy Mercutio comes in. Mercutio is killed accidentally by Romeo, so now Romeo avenges Mercutio's death by killing Tybalt, and that's where that fight comes from. But uh, yeah, it could it could have gone either way. But um, well, I, I guess the Hamlet probably wouldn't have made sense because doesn't Hamlet and Laertes die, right? Correct, and then that and that's so, more. Yeah. Of, I think that's more of an yeah. obvious revenge plot. So yeah. you you go with R and J, and you get the bouncy stuff. So that's fun. Oh my god. Yeah, right. we didn't get to the trampolines. They're fucking trampolines. Right. Trampoline cowboys. Fight. Amazing. But of, during this whole... And he's slashing at Devil's yeah. chest. He's cutting yeah. him up. He's, not he's just, toying with him. It's not just slashing him. He, yeah, well, yeah, he's hitting all those slashes. He's fucking charring them up. Yeah, and, well, because we learned that, you know, Devlin's just learning how to fence. Apparently. So, so he eventually gets Devlin down on the ground for the killing blow. Right. And then he's just like, is this really Vincent Price hair when he takes off his mask? Did he have this great hair? It was sweaty. It was kind of long. I don't know. It did kind of look like a wig. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I don't. Th I think it. Was, it might have been. I don't think Vincent Price was bald, but it might have been just a wig, just yeah. for you know the scene. Was it? Looked... Didn't Devlin even go? It is me. It is me. No, not yet. Not yet. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like I want that hair. And so, but, and he, once again, I, and this is where Griffin, I totally related to this scene. Cause he's like, you fucking critics. Where's the movie? Where's the movie? You, you critics, you can't do shit. So all you do is trash on people who create, who are creative. People don't have any talent at all. Right. You come to us, you beg for us to just give you what you want. Not what you came to see. What is that? What the fuck is this? You scream. You scream, this is awesome. That. You scream for that. me to shut the fuck up. Stop it. You bring signs that are talking about video games. They have nothing to do with what we're even why, doing. Why are you bringing signs for video games? You're at a wrestling show. I mean, you're at a Golden Globus show. Right. Oh, we get that too. There's constant like video game references on our comments on YouTube. We're like, we don't, I don't know what that even means. I don't know what it means. So yeah, I, I totally, I've like, he's the hero. Edward Leinhardt's clearly the hero of this. Right. Uh, Matt, have you, 
Have you ever thought about sprinkling in some video game references to one of your Shakespeare plays? That could get a lot of kids oh. into it. Yeah. yeah, but so which which Shakespeare play and which video game pairing would you would you do? I mean, I would. Uh, well, I'll help you out with this. If you want to get please. on a call after, you know, in a few weeks, I'll help. I'll help you Excellent. along with the production. Let's, let's, let's do that. Merman Productions will get a big cut of this uh, play's revenue, though. But I'm thinking Final Fantasy VII meets Romeo and Juliet. Classic. Right, cool. Get Cloud Strife in there with a the stupid spiky hair. So Lionheart's like, I'm the murderer? How many careers did you kill oh. by snuffing the flame of these aspiring actors with your harsh criticism? You have no talent at all, and you have to take it out on people who do. People who try. People who have the balls to try. You're the people that sit back because you don't have the balls to do anything. Right. And just point out all the, in, the, the uh, you know. Nitpick. He's just yeah. nitpicking. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I saw this guy do it better. So you're not good. You're not good enough. You should. You should probably be more like this. Per no. And so Devlin is there waiting for death, and he's just like, you know what? No, you do not get that. Well, he's like, but Devlin still has to go. Like, oh, will you just kill me already? Yeah. You know, he's just such a bitch. Right. And he's like, yeah. He's like, yeah. I decide when you die, Devlin, and it's not today. It's not today. It might not be tomorrow. It might not be next week. Maybe it's next month for the rest of your life. And he's saying that he's like cutting a line across Devlin's weak little chest. Right. Cut back to Devlin waking up in a hospital. Boot is there. And he's just like, I'm sorry. I can't believe this Lionheart guy's alive. It was Lionheart. I saw him. His beautiful hair. I wish I had hair. <laughs> What's next on the docket? It says right here, Othello. And now we're going down to Hippie. Because they're saying, Jeff like, Lynn. we're going to button down the hatches on everybody. We're going to make sure that uh, no one can get a hold of anybody, that Edwina is completely under, uh, uh, you know, being, being surveilled and yeah. everything. And then we just cut down to Jeff Lynn. Jeff Lynn, which is a weird cut. I don't get that. Right. But, yeah, Jeff Lynn putting in a call to what happens to be another critic. Solomon Saltery, because he's very salty. And he's like, I hate to tell you, sir, but... Uh... Your wife is an evil woman. <laughs> I, we're not making this shit up. It just works right into this fucking movie. And we learn that Saltery in that one scene in the beginning is a very jealous man. Right. You mean my wife, the whore? Was literally his line. So we cut to a scene of him lurking outside his own apartment. Right. And he sees a, a guy uh, dressed like a doctor almost. Uh, kind of, yeah, he, he was in the Caribbean because he's in all white. Yeah, he's in all white. Very Mr. Rourke. He's got old lady kind of soft rectangular glasses, like huge ones on. Got a beard. Got a beard again. Great and he's hair. walking up. He's ringing the bell, and we see the wife of Saltery hanging out, kind of milfy. And he's like, "Hey!" He's like waving to her. She's like, "Hey, come up!" And like Saltery, like, "Oh, that fucking horse." She's got. You know who would have been a great, okay. uh, uh, play Saltery? Oliver Reed. This is an Oliver Reed character. I right love, love, love Oliver Reed, but ex unfortunately, his his liquor bill would be half the budget of this film, and that's very difficult. <laughs> um, I do want to point out the guy, the guy, the critic in this is is the uh, the fine actor Jack Hawkins, 
Probably best known, he was in Br The Bridge on the River Kwai. He was in Lawrence of Arabia, Ben-Hur. Just kind of uh, The Hill and Zulu. Just one of those English guys that did a bunch of the big action films in England in the 1960s. Was he a Bond villain? Because one of them's a Bond villain. No, he's... No, actually, he, all right, here's the story. So Hawkins also had... Uh, was also a, a, a big-time smoker. And near the end of his life, especially in, in this film... His uh, he couldn't speak, so his voice was dubbed over by Charles Gray, best known as Blofeld from uh, Diamonds Are Forever, uh, and the yeah. and the professor, the uh, the uh, I'm sorry, the narrator from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Okay, oh, okay, that yeah, dude. okay, yeah. So we go, we see. She's wearing an interesting outfit because it's like a band jacket. It was like really green, really yellow, big buttons, but it only went. Like it was open at her waist. It was like it was, a negligee type. Yeah, thing, yeah, it was a weird ensemble. And she uh, lets him into the room. He locks the door. Of course he does. And he just starts giving her that Swedish massage because that's the most erotic massage. Oh, right. And he does not take his glasses off for them. No, yet. of course not. No. Oh, no. He's a pro. And he's just like kneading her flesh, doing her fingers, everything. And she's just into it. All right. And we hear, we see uh, Saltery outside the door listening. Sounds like they're fucking because he's, oh, yeah. he's really grinding on her. The bed is squeaking. Yeah. He's getting the cups in there, and you have to apply the pressure to get the cup suction going right. right. And it's some that. deep tissue massage going oh, on. I, I, yeah, there's screams, he's balls deep tissue. There's screams about yeah. cakes and everything. So, of course, Saltery's hearing that, and he's like, no one gets my lady's cakes. You Honey, he just punches through the he fucking door. Through the fucking door. Opens it up. This was great because he runs in. He doesn't go for the man on his wife. No. He's so upset at his wife that he goes yeah. for her. Lionheart just steps right off and backs off. Lionheart does a fucking John Claude move and just gets out of the way and then chops him in the back of the neck. Right. Pulls him up by his head and goes, She's been with at least 20 more. And then walks out. Just is there is there a gif of Vincent Price doing the judo chop? That was like Shatner level. It was asking. very Shatner. Yeah. Uh, if you like, here I'll write it down. Send man a tiny gif <laughs> of that. Yeah, I mean he just destroyed him absolutely. His, he hit him so hard he made him black so he could be yes. a fellow. Yes, because he. Comes to, uh, where was I? Oh, I was murdering my wife. And he grabs a pillow and smothers He's her. He's not mad at the guy who attacked him. No. He's still just focused on killing his wife. Well, he doesn't care. He cares about her. He doesn't care about this guy. But that's the interesting part, because you think that's how it would go if you were jealous about your wife sleeping around. You would be mad at your wife, not the guy who was sleeping with her. But that's well, how it always turns out. He knows he can take her. He can't take Kung Fu Master Vincent Price. Yeah. That's right. The man who's clear, like 100 pounds lighter and old and... So, okay, like you like you alluded to, Matt, Othello. Explain to... We, of course, we know. Explain to our audience. The green-eyed green monster that is jealousy. Othello is a soldier, and he is, he is raised eyebrows by being with a white woman, Desdemona. Iago, who is his closest companion, his best friend, and he's jealous as fuck, and, and finally knows that his best friend's Othello's, his Shakespearean flaw, is jealousy. And so he concocts a plot that... Uh, that Desdemona is having an affair with Cassio, his uh, one of his loyal soldiers, and it, it, by the time we get to the end of the play, Othello is so enraged he murders his own wife, and uh, Iago is able to pull off the plot 
but uh, a fellow dies, he goes away and dies. It's it is it is a tragedy, but yeah, he he convinces him. So so in this case, Lionheart has an extra body count, but he gets kind of an assist as opposed to yeah. actually doing the duty. And I want to mention, I'm going to shamelessly plug this. If you ever get a chance to find it, I have it on DVD. But I have a DVD of William Marshall, aka Blackula, doing Othello. And he fucking rules in it. He's great. And as I pointed out when we did a break, in my Shakespeare class, when we did Othello, I wrote my paper, the the thesis being, Iago, not such a bad character. He's kind of maligned in it. And I got an A on it, Griff. A. So there you go. Iago, not so bad. But where do we go in this story? Well, we follow uh, our disguised Edward downstairs. And there just happens to be a Bobby standing outside of their house. Well, of course, they're all being guarded. So it makes sense that he was there. Right, yeah, that's what he was there for. Yeah, and he tells the guard, Oh, yeah, I do believe... Sorry, sir, I think someone's murdering the lady up there. You see, I can't do that, so... Oh, thank you, sir. That seems like this... Everyone's just nonplussed. I, I guess this is that stiff upper lip that the British have. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what, yeah, what's they, this going on here? <laughs> No words, no nothing, just bobbles his way upstairs. We cut to, we see a boot, like the cut to the scene of the crime. They're kicking Saltry away. And he's like, well, what? He didn't kill Saltry. He's like, that guy's going to die in prison. Like, that's even more crueler when you think about it. Yeah, for real. So, what's the next play? Henry the Sixth, Part One. And who are the remaining? We're getting a little exposition. This is another lesser known of the history plays, yeah. but uh, yeah, I, Joan of Arc is involved, and we'll leave it at that. And they're like, and who's left? Is, who's the, who are the le- critics that are left? So we get a little exposition in this scene. Like, you know. Right. Miss Moon. Right. And, I, I'm sorry. By the way, this actress, this uh, Price would later marry her right oh, after. Shit, okay. Interesting. Yeah, there was... So yeah, they met on this. This would be his Price's third wife, and uh, there's, according to legend, Catherine Hepburn offered Vincent Price an opportunity to do The Tempest and play Prospero on stage, and he had to turn it down because he said the alimony said I can't do it. <laughs> so now this is my favorite of all of Edward Lionheart's characters. Yeah. Cut oh yeah. The, the beauty shop. Yeah. Where we see yep. Jeff Lynn. Hanging out. It's closed. We see uh, uh, Chloe, Moon. Chloe Moon, the only female uh, critic of this movie. She's coming to get her hair did. That's right. And uh, Jeff's like, sorry, love, we're close. She's like, what are you talking about? Henri called me specifically and said he, he could fit me in. I'm sorry. I, uh, well, Henri's not here, but we do have Butch. And she's like, Butch. Like, Butch. And he's like, don't worry, Butch is great. You'll love him. She's like, all right. Okay, and this is what we see. Vincent Price is this. This is border. I thought this was gonna be a fellow. This is borderline brown face because he's wearing an Afro wig. Yeah, and he's got that mustache, and uh, it's a little, let's say, on the effeminate side. Wish with a capital S. <laughs> and he's just like, "Hey, babe, I'm Butch." And, he, and then we see the, the, the cop the escort roll his eyes. Like, oh, right. Lord. And so we, you know, Bush wants to escort her down to, you know, where they're going to dress yeah. the hair and everything. Right. And where, he goes, where his murder lair is. Right. right. And he's like, who's your friend? So cute. <laughs> 
that freaks out the cops. Like, I'll stay up here, mom. You know, seventies homophobia right. on display. So they take her downstairs to the the get their hair cut. Don't worry, everybody. The Bobby found a nice fucking uh, men's magazine. That Bobby wanted to get buggered. That Bobby wanted to get buggered? Yeah. Okay. And and so uh, he's just reading a magazine. We see uh, uh, Edwina, excuse me, Jeff Lynn, get a bottle. She's like, I guess he's going to give her a little petty while she's getting the hair done. So he puts her her feet in a a bowl of water. Yeah. And we see Butch get the latest technique from France where he's like, Curling, putting her hair in these like curlers that are attached to the big old 1970s hair dryers. Right. He's like, wow, there, there's a lot more electrical cords happening on this new hair cord. And she's reaching up to pull the cor- curlers out of her hair. Right. Naughty, naughty slaps her hand. Don't touch, Butch knows best. Paul Lynn would have done a great version of Paul Lynn would have done a great I version. love that TV series, Butch Knows Best. <laughs> that is a TV series. Then he ties, starts tying her hands down to the handles of the chair. It's like, what's going on here? Like, and then he starts, bring forth the sorcerers condemned to burn. Immediately goes into Henry the Henry the Sixth, Part One. Yep. And this is where we learn. This is where Joan of Arc is burned at the stake. Oh, why was why was she burned at the stake? Because she was a woman, and it, she just men were intimidated by her, basically. Oh, how dare he? How dare she speak out about things and ideas? Exactly. Oh shit. Okay. So she had to be a witch, of course, Griff. Woman with an opinion. <laughs> so he flips the switch on her. She starts getting electric. Could smoke everywhere. I think the Bobby mistook it for cock smog, so he's trying to ignore it. Yeah. It's like I'm not gay. I'm not gay. I'm not gay, and he's ignoring it. The lights are going out, crazy shit. I've I have heard by some people are affected by cocksmog that it does smell like hair and flesh burning. <laughs> so it's a very pungent aroma. You are in a very desperate place if the cocksmog is affecting you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then it's like, I guess I gotta do my job, even though I I'm I gotta prove to myself I'm not gay. I'm gonna go all into that fog. Right. Smog. Goes down there and we see Chloe looking like some fried chicken. Oh yeah, she got her face all burnt up and everything. Um, uh, so Henry the Sixth. I mean, does is this like el- elongated? Because I I talked about Henry the Fourth. Is that yes? This is the this is the second sequel to Henry the Fourth. Yeah, is yeah. it really? <laughs> yeah, and much like they do now with like the Avenger movies, it's a part one and a part two. I'm trying to ask for serial though. It's like, is this like one? Long going, sto- ongoing story, or are these the like royal, different? It's the story of the royal crown. So there, but uh, you don't have to worry about. It. I will say this: I know, I know you were going there with that, um, but at least for I'll, I'll use Hamlet as an example. Not everybody, not every character in Hamlet needs to get a series or a film. I know there's Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead, and I know there was a film about Ophelia, but you know, in the Marvel universe third guard from the left would get a streaming series on Hulu. So we don't, we don't need all of that. But a few years ago, there was a, there was a, a story of the Royal crown, which was uh, Richard II, Richard III, both Henry's Tom Hiddleston was involved in it. And it's something I need to re I need to revisit, but you need like an entire rainy ass weekend to sit down and watch it. 
So we know what you're going to do this weekend. Girl. I need a lot more than just a rainy day. So Devlin goes to talk to Edwina again. And she's just like, look, my father is alive. He called me. And he wants to turn himself in. But he's scared the cops are going to shoot him. Right. I mean, come on. Of course they're going to shoot him. He's the number one suspect. Right. And she's like, but I can get a... He'll meet you. If you'll come, Devlin, he will see and he'll turn himself in. And then Devlin's like, okay, I can do that. Because she's yeah. like, cause he'll, he'll, if he even smells a cop, he's going to flee. Exactly. Because the, the, the Bobbies have ordered the one gun they have in England transferred to this precinct, so they'll be ready for him. It, exactly. It's a lot like that Olivia Gruner movie we watched. I forget. It's uh, Hard Side of L.A. or whatever. They just Angel have, Town. Angel Town. They just have one gun they pass around. Yeah, it, it was an Uzi. <laughs> was that a Shakespeare rendition? Yeah. Yeah, they use a lot of Uzis in Shakespeare. You know that? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, is like, look, I'll, I'll call him, I'll get the location, and I'll let you know. Right. Because Devlin, of course, shining, the knight in shining armor is going right. to play that role. So uh, Edwina's leading him along. So, okay, now Jeff Lynn, cut back to the theater of blood. Jeff Lynn and Lionheart are doing their perfect, because they're doing the prosthetics on this hobo. It looks just like Edward Lionheart. Oh, just my God. Like- it was fantastic. It almost looked like Dr. Fibes. Okay. Yep. And he's just like, remember to obey my orders, meth man. Oh, just give me some of that purple stuff, sir. And then he's, re- he's saying that he's reading a review that Meredith, Meredith Marydew gave of yeah. his performance of uh, Titus Andronicus. Titus Andronicus. Do you remember the words there, Matt? Because it was something about some kind of sandwich, and that's... Well, he said uh, between the performances of him as Titus Andronicus, the actress who plays Tamara, or Tamora, Queen of the Goths, and Lavinia, who is Titus's daughter, all three performances add up to one ham sandwich. Oh. Because he's fat and swishy and funny, and as well... I remember there's the one scene where he he's kind of looks he kind of looks like Mama Cass and you all know she choked on him a little bit yeah there's the co- the combination of the fat the, of the pink suit and when he's walking and they use like music from a bassoon it's international fat guy music we know that come on I know I know and it's on tour so. <laughs> That was the opener for Nick Cave. It was just a guy playing a yes! tube. Boom, 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 a fat boom, guy boom, walking boom, around. Boom, boom. They, With the, crowd still, the crowd still went, yeah! I screamed, I love you, to that. <laughs> and so- I went to my sister and went, 32 years ago, we played that tuba in Sao Paulo, Brazil. 32 years ago, when we started this episode, people might get that, man. <laughs> yeah. One other thing. Because I got to get my joke in here because yeah. it's all about me. Yeah. That's what. Well, Paul we wrote ha- it down. Read it. Well, yeah. Thank yeah. you, Murray. Paul Heyman should walk out to a bassoon. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Five yeah, people it, get that. It's yeah. no, it's cheaper than the Alfred Hitchcock theme. So, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Thank you. So now we cut to outside of Meridu's home. We see Boot. He's like, there's no way Lionheart's getting a hold of, of Meridu. We got an armored escort. Look at this. 45 cops on every street. There's no way we could all be distracted at the same time. It's not like it's not like there's going to be somebody selling Punisher skulls around the block. Right. And I read the Wikipedia on Titus Andronicus. I know what's going to happen. I got it covered. 
Right. Don't worry. Got the cliff notes. As he's saying that, a car starts weaving down there, and it's clearly Lionheart behind the wheel. Clearly. So they all, like the Keystone Cops, just get in a paddy wagon and chase after Lionheart. I don't know what music was playing here, but it was a comedy scene. Yakety sax. <laughs> there we go. Benny Hill would have been a great married death Maridu. Yeah, but like... he was too expensive. Robert Morley was slightly cheaper. So uh, as they're taking off, we see Lionheart show up. Look, he's dressed like Chef Boyardee, Chef Boyardee, if you will. Right. And he's got Jeff Lynn with him. Holy shit, we forgot to... Jeff Lynn. Oh, we forgot to bring up the fact that like when he was dressing up uh, the guy to look like Doctor Fives, aka him. Yeah. Uh, he was doing something, but he was in a Dolomite design. He had a fucking pimp hat on with a tilt. Of course he did. He was cracking eggs into a giant yeah. bowl and yeah. beating them. Yes. It was talking about how he was making a fucking pot pie. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. There is so many single scenes out of context that are, as the kids would say, memeable as fuck. Yeah. So all you, all you people that bailed on Shalaktober, you're lost. Yeah. Well, of course, you're not hearing this because you're not listening. Yeah. All right, so they go into Meredith, Meridu's house. They just another fucking Harry Potter. Right. They immediately set to griffing around. Yep. And then they get to business. And then we see, uh, you know, Meredith, Meredith wasn't even at the house because of the brilliant play. They're like, "Don't worry, Lionheart, we're after him. We caught him. You can yep. go back to your home." He uh, he was being escorted in by a Brinks truck. Right. We 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 hear bump 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 goes into his house. Oh, where are my babies at? Where are my babies? Baby. And then there's like a big curtain across like an alcove in his home, and it pulls back. And it's, of course, everyone's favorite show, This Is Your Dish. This is your dish. Not a real show, right? Well, Food Network could have made it today. But yeah, back then, there was a show called This Is Your Life, where you would, and Vincent Price was actually on the receiving end of of being a, a subject of that show. But yeah, they're cooking cooking television hadn't really progressed that far to have this is your dish. You could do that okay. now with everybody on Food Network or Cooking Channel, but not not then. Okay. And apparently it's Meredith's favorite show. He's like, Oh my god, I can't believe I I'm gonna be on This Is Your Dish. But of course. And they set him down. They put a, a napkin, tie a napkin around his neck. Getting all the cameras fixed again here. Beautiful again, all the fucking sets here. We got all the Mary Methmen in the background. They're supposed to be like the TV crew. You can see them swishing away at their fucking uh, uh, drink of grape, whatever it's called. The, 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 the drink of purple. They drink of purple, yes. A.K.A. Grape Pop. Grape Pop. And uh, Jeff Lynn brings out a giant pot pie. They start feeding him like a baby. Oh, my God. And he's loving it. He's into infantilism. Yeah. The, um, the, the, I forget what they call it when you do like the artwork on top of the pie crust and everything. They did all that work. It's yeah, beautiful. It's amazing. And Meredith's like, <laughs> so delectable. But I'd like to give some to my babies. Where are my babies at? I wish they here to enjoy this. Everybody, please help me call my baby. And so all the Mary Methmen start whistling for the dog. I love that. I love hey, that. Everybody. Where are my babies? They should be here. Oh, they are. And as he's cutting up another piece of pie, there's some... It should have been like a collar, a dog collar or something. Yeah. But it was just some hair. A long white dog hair. Yeah. And, and then he's like, hey, you want a pie? We got another one for you. And he's like, he's got the... What do they call those covers that they cover, like, food with? Uh, 
dome. You can call it a dome, I guess. <laughs> I guess a dome. Oh, the yeah, silver the dome. <laughs> the, the silver dome. Yeah, there we go. Pulls it up, and we see a pot pie with two poodle heads right on top of Beautiful. it. Beautiful. And he like goes, oh, no. He freaks out. They grab him. They lay him across the table. They force feed him. They're continuing to just yeah, They get like a out. funnel, and they put it in his mouth. That's right. They do get him. And they start, and Jeff starts scooping up pot, pot pie, and they're cramming it down his throat. And he dies, and then Lionheart rattles off the great zinger. Pity, he didn't have the stomach for it. <laughs> Deadly sin of gluttony. All right, explain this scene in Shakespearean ways. Matt. All right, I I love Titus Andronicus. I got to play Saturninus in a production of Titus Andronicus almost a decade ago. Titus is the king of Goths, and he is. Uh, Titus is a soldier. He has imprisoned the queen of Goths, and she has two very nasty sons, Chiron and Demetrius. Chiron and Demetrius take uh, Titus's daughter Lavinia. They rape her, cut off her hands, and cut out her tongue. Oh. Now I tell you this to say that when we did it. We did it in tableaus. So we had a scrim so you could see shadows. They would pose in shadows. And and so that we you didn't see the actual act, but this was implied. And okay. we set it to, and we set it to the song Take Me to Church. Which ruins that song for everybody. So hosier song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it, it was a stir. My my director loved horror movies and that was the that was the uh the theme for the film uh we have a local horror show host down here sammy terry he did our curtain speech and at the so for titus to gain revenge titus goes mad cuts off his own hand and then he captures chiron and demetrius tamara's sons kills them drains their blood cooks them in a pie and feeds them to his mother and her husband that i played there you have it, people. And it, there's a there's a there's a fun film version that Julie Taymor directed with um, Anthony Hopkins, Jessica Lange, Alan Cumming is in it. Um, and this was before she jumped on the. This was before American Horror Story uh, sufficed. So I think this might have helped lead her to get those those parts in those films. But uh, there there this was one of his early ones because there's elements of Richard the Third and Othello and a couple other other of his plays. But this is his. His hor- Shakespeare horror film. Oh, okay. It sounds. It reminds me of what, what was that fucking Johnny Depp movie? Sweeney Todd. Sweeney Todd. Yeah. Yes, yes, Johnny Depp. Yes, it was a musical before well, that. Process. And he was very goth in that too. So. He was very goth. Yeah. In that. So very much this. so. Helen Bonham Carter was Queen of the Goths in that movie. You see, my computer. correct. Yeah. Correct. All right. Devlin arrives at the agreed upon rendezvous with Edwina, and. Uh, as he before he goes, he's talking with Boot, and they're like, "Don't worry, we got a tracking device inside this. We're, you know, you're safe. We're gonna get this motherfucker. We got fucking dog in the boots, right? That's the trunk for us, right. for us Americans. And it's like you're you're cool. So they meet up, Edwina. Like it's like under a bridge. There's no chili peppers, unfortunately. No, but there is a horse-drawn carriage right. that's coming the opposite way. And he's like, "Look, Edwin, I have to," because he's still he's in her fog. Right. So he's like, "I gotta come clean." There's a tracking device. But don't there. worry, he won't be able to see that police are going to be involved. And of course, Edwina's freaking out. 
And I don't remember how this exactly shakes out. She's like, well, I have to drive. Like, she yeah, she's like, yeah, that's what she said. She's like, I, because he, 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 he'll trust me. Yeah, so you can you can get down in the back seat or whatever, but I have to be the driver. I can only be seen. And as he, as he switched positions, the horse-drawn carriage drives by with the meth men, hit him over the head, knock out Devlin, and they throw Devlin in their, their carriage. But being on meth and drunk and high all of the time, their accuracy, 1,000%. Yeah, well, That's, they're, they're motivated. They are motivated. Yeah. And so uh, she takes off with the car and the and 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 dog in the back seat and the and the the the. the uh, I think she leaves the device on like another car. She, she left drives it on by. a car that she just yeah. left there. But dog is still like radioing. He's like, I'm in the trunk. You know, we're, I I I hear. It sounds like a train. We must be near to uh, like a train yard. Yeah. And then we learn that like we this is another little like uh, pratfall we get where like. We hear the tr- the uh, car get run over by a train, and off screen uh, as, yeah. as Boot is like listening to it. All right, so now we're cutting back over to Devlin, and he's waking up, and he's strapped to a chair with a little harness under his chin. Right, so he can't move. Lionheart has decided he is going to get his just desserts, his flowers, his award. He's setting up his own award show. He's got the banners. He's, he's got the award. He's got his cape back on. All right, he's dressed to the nines. And he's like, you are going to give me this award. You're going to tell me why I didn't win the award in the fucking first place. Your performance is the originality. Well, no shit. We're doing a fucking play that's fucking 400 years old. Right. I mean, I don't. Are we supposed to do a take me to church or some shit like that? No. <laughs> I don't think we're supposed to do that to our guests. <laughs> he didn't uh, direct it. I didn't. No, I didn't direct that one. No. Yeah. So oh, okay. Never mind. His choice. <laughs> no, we loved. It was just it, when when we first heard the song, we're like, really, we're gonna do the okay. And Lionheart's like originality. Did you? Where have you been? Have you seen these kills? I'm killing it. No pun intended. He's just like, I'm awesome. Look what I've done here. I've baked Meredith into a pie, right out of his, fucking. No, he baked his. Dogs into a pie, right? Yeah, yeah. You, you need a giant pie tin if you were going to bake him into a pie, or a lot of pies, or and a bassoon, and a bassoon. We quick cut. We're in a hospital or something where we see uh, one of the meth men's going through withdrawals, and Boots like, "I'll give you this sweet, sweet nectar of the gods, the the, the drink of purple, if you just tell me where Lionheart is." He immediately rats him out for that drink of purple. It's just of too good, of course. But meanwhile, Lionheart is explaining his uh, next performance. King Lear, a name I've heard and have no idea. The grand finale. Well, uh, Matt, do you want to explain it to him? Sure. King Lear is a king. He is old and aging and dying, and he wants to pass on uh, his his kingdom to his uh, three daughters, uh, Goneril, my wife's played Goneril, Regan, and Cordelia. I had some Goneril. I got some. Uh... Oh. I know you got a shot for it. You're right. Yeah, shot. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Jim have, Fournette yeah. reference. Have the drink of purple. You'll be okay. Just splash a little drink of purple on it. Here's <laughs> it up. Rub, rub some dirt on it. Take a lap. You'll be okay. There we go. Walk um, it off. 
but but Goddard and Regan are very very selfish, and Cordelia, uh, because she's not selfish, she gets banished from the kingdom because she will not play to her father's whims. There is a bastard named Edmund, and so there's these plots between the two not nice daughters, Goddard and Regan. Um, about who's going to get what and who's going to take their dad now that he's retired. But what we get to the killing, what's supposed to happen here is there is uh, one of Lear's uh, uh, right-hand men, is a guy named Gloucester, and Regan and a guy named Cornwall basically blind Gloucester on, on stage. And as my wife told me when they did it in uh, Pennsylvania, you just take a, you know, you, you position it correctly and then you just throw a couple grapes on stage. And, oh. that, and those are the eyes, and that's the blind. So anyway, that's the blinding from King Lear, um, from what, where this comes from. Doesn't King Lear like gouge his eyes out? No, he's he's just old and daffy, and gets daffier, and and then at the end, Cordelia, the one who truly loved him, dies, and he dies soon after. Spoiler alert on King Lear, gang. I think I think after four hundred years, you're alive. I like would, yeah. would hope so, but you might get ugly notes on on YouTube. It's true. Well, they'll just be where's the movie? That's all we get. No, they'll yeah, go where's the play? Where's the plays where's you keep the... talking about? If we get a hundred people say where is King Lear? Where is Titus uh, Adronicus? Or uh, yeah, if we get all that, I'd be. So the 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 final coup de grace of uh, Lionheart is he puts a little track. That goes down towards uh, Devlin's head. Very Fives vibes again. Little Very cart. Very villain kind of, yeah. Yeah. He places Some. two red-hot knives pointed toward his eyes, and then it's tied to like a, a rope with a sandbag on the end. Right. Jeff cuts the sandbag so it slowly comes towards his face. And we get Devlin trying to play. Matt, do you remember what Devlin's whole plead here was? Well, He's he did watching. say... Devlin did it. It's like, oh shit! No way. Yeah, yeah. Devlin did it. It wasn't me. Oh wait, it's me. Damn. <laughs> you know, Devlin sticks to his guns. He's like, nah, because everybody else said, no, I wrote good things about you, and then and then Lionheart would correct them and say, no, you didn't. But you know, Devlin kind of sticks to it. Like, yeah, you suck, and I'll still, you know, if I don't have eyes, you'll still suck. He says two words: Al Pacino. <laughs> And then sounds you scoundrel, you jack and apes. And he's like, and if you wanna you wanna do some dueling King Lear, never, never, never. Then Lionheart goes, Edwina. Well, you gotta I was I, I, we gotta be careful about this. I didn't word it in the note correctly here because he's trying to plead for his life after he's got all these zingers in he's like i still don't actually want to get stabbed in my eyeballs right with red hot knives flying heart you have to think you have a daughter out there who loves you and is on the other side of the law from you oh do i you mean jeff okay we're gonna reveal this is spoiler alert we haven't spoiled it yet. Jeff Lynn is Edwina. That's right. This is why I thought Jeff Lynn was hot. Damn. <laughs> oh. All right. Do you think uh, Diana Ray could have worked on her man voice? It was so obviously her throughout it. She was using her own voice when she was playing it wasn't Jeff Lynn. Yes, she didn't have a lot of lines. That- there is that time honored tradition in Shakespeare. If you and it happened in uh, in As You Like It, but if a woman puts on a cap, they're automatically a dude. 
And and yeah, sometimes it would help if you dropped your voice a little bit, uh, like our Rosalind did. But uh, yeah, it's. Uh, but I'm like, oh well, you know, you can have a high voice, but still have a mustache and uh, and perm like that, I suppose. But uh, yeah, she probably could have done more. But but as I as I always like to say in defense of somebody like Diana Reg, but she's pretty, <laughs> and she's just like. Yeah, she's like she, jokes she, on you, Devlin. She, I'm with my dad. Yeah, she opens a switchblade or uh, Wait, whatever. It not was. with her dad. She's not a Cyrus. No. Yeah. She rides or dies with her dad. Yeah. yeah. And she starts cutting into that sandbag. That's gonna you know yeah, lower the knife. Holy starts. It's like a Batman of a Batman episode. Like same bad time. Same bad right. channel because it's done on on. Done on on. Close up of his eyes. Close up of the knife. Close up of his eyes. Close up of Vincent Price slowly going down and then he gets caught up on this little like standy he has little like decoration Art, yeah, like cut out of somebody yeah devlin even tries to throw a little bit of king lear back at yeah, Lionheart. he did that he says never never oh never. no okay yeah I got all over there. and so the knives are just like just inches away from his face that we hear sirens sirens coming in from outside those goddamn mary methmen and then fucking this is his, his grand finale. Right. Lionheart's ready to go. You see the panic kind of starting to hit uh, Lionheart and Edwina because they're like, we got to get this fucking shit going. So she's uncorking the champagne. Do the speech. Give him the fucking award right now to Devlin, you know, trying to tell him to like crown him the acting achievement of the year. No fucking Al Pacino. And then the meth man who are just starving for the purple, the, the, the juice of purple. They're like, they think that's in the champagne bottle, so they just conk fucking Edwina over the head. Yeah, they start fighting over it, and she's trying to get them to help them because they're, they're supposed to be burning the building down. And they're like, no, grape of the drink. I need it. <laughs> drink of the grape. Drink of the grape. Right, and he's just like, and Lionheart's like, you can't find good help anywhere. I'll no. do it. And he starts setting all the curtains and shit ablaze. Burn, come fire, consume this pretty world, and in its ashes, let my memory lie. Edwina gets bonked on the head. That's like a true Trevor Dickman. Does I did this like the bonk on the head kill Edwina, or did no, she get like it stunned her enough to you know just like the like the uh, Lionheart judo chop? Like, did it? Okay, it did something mm -hmm. briefly. And he cradles her in his arms, and they do some dual Shakespeare to each it's other. The end of King, it's the end of King Lear when he realizes he had wronged the daughter who loved him the most, and she dies, um, and he dies. So, tragic. Okay. So now everyone's outside. The, the theater of blood is the theater of fire now. We see, and this is, I like this. This is a nice touch, because he does the most famous of all Shakespearean plays, End With. King Kong. King Kong. Yes, he, yes he, he does. He carries an obvious dummy. He was the worst yeah. dummy, like slung over his shoulder. Yeah. The stunt man is like climbing up the building outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was beauty a... carried by the beast? Right. That's my favorite Shakespearean line. I have it written Sanskrit tattooed on my ribs. That's, yep. that's my favorite tattoo of yours. And everyone's watching, and Lionheart's up on the roof, and he sees that she is dead as earth. It's a good teleprompter read. <laughs> and then a fireball just comes out of nowhere. Very reminiscent of Donkey Kong. A fireball. Yes. Mario is down there? <laughs> yes. Hits him. He just, and he falls back into the theater. Him and Edwin are just like keep the fiery. 
he did some pros out on the roof or whatever for for the police and everybody on the street to hear. Right. And, and, yeah, and Boots like, hey, what was that from? And then fuck that fucking piece of shit Devlin. All of a sudden regains his balls. He's like, fascinating performance. But of course, he was madly overacting as usual. But you must admit, he didn't know how to make an exit. And then this scurries off camera. Oh, my God. To be fair, the the end the thing with the fireball, and this is not related. I just know this info, and I'm going to share it with you. But one of the weirdest things that's written in any of Shakespeare's plays is is a play called The Winter's Tale, where a character leaves, and it just says in parentheses, "Exit pursued by a bear," <laughs> and that's it. There's no other, no, nothing else, no other references made to it about it has it. So the fact that, yeah, he's doing the end of King Lear and then, you know, a damn fireball kind of comes and, and ends the moment. Man, I imagine the gay community has had a lot of fun with that line or that stage. It direction. was a cocaine bear. It was a cocaine. Uh, I've seen that. That's movie. also based on Shakespeare. Did you know that? I, I couldn't even tell when I was watching the movie. Cocaine bear six, part three. Now, we just did a whole Vincent Price mo- uh, month. Oh, yeah. We did four Vincent Price movies. Matt, yeah. is there a Vincent Price movie you think uh, people should go and watch? Absolutely. Besides these, there, there's yes, two. Besides I, these. There's there's two I want to bring up, and I and I love I love what you guys did. I also love that you did Mask of the Red Death to cleanse the palate of the similar plot lines of Fives and and this film. Mm-hmm. But um, there's one he did in 1968 called The Witchfinder General also known as the mm-hmm. Conqueror Worm. And it's one of Price's nastiest performances. He is a, a professional witch hunter. And he goes. He yeah. is paid to go from village to village and accuse women of witchcraft. And guess what? He always accuses the ones that are in their late teens, early 20s, and hot. And yep. uh, it's, it's a really... Because by the end of the 60s, he was already kind of parroting himself and... You know, he would he would uh, appear on TV like the Dean Martin show. He had a one scene in an Elvis movie. He did. I was he's the villain in Doctor got uh, Doctor Gold in the Bikini Machine. Doctor so Goldfoot. There you go. Yeah, Doctor Goldfoot. So the fact that yeah. this was this was a really unpleasant character and a really really good film. And the last of the film he does after. Um, after this film, after Theater of Blood, is a film called Madhouse from 1974. And I always use this film as an example of the art doesn't change, we change. First time I saw it, it was I was probably 10 years old. I was up way past my bedtime. I think there was a brief period where Spanguli was syndicated in Detroit, and he was showing yeah. it. And I'm watching it, and the only thing on is you know the glow of the TV screen. And he plays, Price plays an actor whose friends and loved ones are getting murdered, and he keeps becoming the number one suspect. So anyway, I'm watching the film. I'm about halfway through. I'm really into it. And then my cat jumped on my lap. So, and then bedroom light comes on. Here comes my dad. I get in trouble, all that. I watched that film again when I was in college, and like most college film guys, you have a stick up your ass. And you look at it and go, oh, it wasn't, it wasn't that scary. It wasn't that big of a deal. And then hopefully by the time you're in your 30s, you've removed the stick from your ass and accept the film for what it is. So I'm, I'm glad I've gone full circle with Madhouse. But I would, I would add that to your Vincent Price watch list. All right. So the General's Witchfinder, is that what it's Witchfinder, called? Witchfinder General. Witchfinder General. 
And if I may, while I uh, the other film of film of Shakespeare that Diana Rigg did, it's not nearly as good, but she plays Portia in a film version of Julius Caesar, starring and directed by Charlton Heston, which also has Jason Robards, John Gielgud, Robert Vaughn, among others. All right. There you have it, people. We would love to do these Vincent Price movies, but you didn't care about the ones we didn't did. Didn't give a shit. So your loss. We gave you them to take home as homework. We're gonna enjoy. I've already seen the uh, uh, General Witchfinder. Witchfinder General. The Witchfinder General. <laughs> and I enjoyed that movie, and you could enjoy it too if you put in some effort. Right. You're, it's your job to find that movie. Larry, we, don't, we don't find movies. We people. we can't be fucking treating these people anymore. Like we've just been giving them fucking classic after classic. Let's give uh-huh. them like something garbage. Let's give them a Ginty for fuck's sakes. Uh-huh. Give them a lump of coal. Before I get into that, I want to say thank you to Matt for explaining. Of course, we knew all about. We got all the Shakespearean references, but we wanted you guys to get them as well. Thanks for including me in that week, because yes. I had some sketchy moments there. Yeah, well, you were, you were playing the role of the audience. Yes, of course. That's what you were doing. Yes. Because they, I'm sure they had questions, and you were their, their surrogate. Yes. So, and by the way, if you love Matt Sosa, he has his own show. Matt, why don't you chill your own show? That, by the way, we did a guest episode on... You did. You did. Yes. Um, so first off, are we, have we reached the Killers of the Flower Moon level of a podcast episode with this one? Yeah, we've passed that. Okay. Cool. <laughs> no Swifties will see this. Movie. All right. Very good. No. The, uh, yes. I have a podcast called Film Sociology, S-O-C-E-Y-O-L-O-G-Y. And you can hear it on uh, org, which is the public radio station in Indianapolis. Someone's got to represent down here. That's why I'm here. And, uh, you know, we, we've talked, we've had everybody from Academy Award winners to auteurs to local horror show hosts to podcast miscreant badasses like GGT is guests on the show. And uh, I'm, it's in year 14, and you can find it at WFYI.org. Yeah, we'll have, of course, the link to, uh, as far as I know, the link to where you can get all that episodes and everything. Thank you, and I will also send, you sent me a photo, and I appreciate that. I also want to send you a photo. I actually own the cookbook that Vincent Price had published in the 1970s. There you have it. What do I got coming? I got something else coming your way that I'll have Murray send over on Twitter. The chop. The uh, classic (laughs) karate chop. God, there were so many great fucking looks out of Vincent Price in this movie. But yeah, well, the master actor. I'll make I'll make sure to get uh get that over to you over Twitter. Just a nice yeah. little one second gift that you might be able to use elsewhere. I, and... I I appreciate it. But yeah, this is this is Vincent said this was one of his favorite films. So we hope, dear listeners, this is also one of yours. And Matt, you can be honest. Our episode was the most popular episode, wasn't it? Oh, for sure, of course. I I, I almost believe that. <laughs> you you need you need three voices for all this Michigan representation. That's right. All right. Next week. Five years ago. Five years ago. Five and a half years ago. Okay. When we were but mere pod babies. We were not the pod men that we've grown into. We did a movie that had some very forbidden subjects. Yeah. We didn't. We recorded this review of this movie not once, but twice, and never released them. I think now, 
we're ready for a third time. Holy Five shit. Five years under our belt. I think we're ready. I think we're veterans. I think we know how to do it. Matt, you wouldn't believe this, but at one time, Griffin and I thought we, we had a future. We thought that... We thought that we had to watch what we say because we might it might affect our lives in the future. Now we've given okay. up. Okay, gang, I want you I want you to pay attention to this closely as somebody who's listened to this show. I want you to think of the uh, lost treasures in pop culture, like uh, the Beach Boys. Well, Brian Wilson and the Beach Boys creating the album Smile, the original recordings of Smile. Um, Orson Welles and the the original cut of the Magnificent Ambersons. Jerry Lewis and the Day the Clown Cried, which apparently we're going to be seeing hopefully in the next couple of years. This is a GGT episode jewel that is going to hopefully resurface because the third time is a charm. You are welcome, listeners. I like that. I wish the originals were still around, but they're smashed. Well, they'll be in the box set. (laughs) Yeah, sure. What movie are we talking about? Well, we're talking about the canon Charles Bronson classic, Injite. Forbidden subjects. Yes, people, we're doing that. And you're gonna you're gonna enjoy it. Or not. I don't give a fuck anymore. We don't care anymore. But we will enjoy it. So yes, Schlocktober has concluded, but there's something more terrifying on the horizon. Cannons around the corner. Cannons. Get your cannons ready for Kinjate. See you next week. Thank you, Matt. And keep it warm.